Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Graham. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Quick to tackle. 45, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody is thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. It's hit drop. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome in, Friday Husker Tailgate. Week three is here. First home game of the year is here. Nebraska, winless at this point. 0-2. Going to try and stop that this week with Northern Illinois coming in. And we are going to break it down in all ways and have a lot of fun along the way as well. I am Jack Mitchell in studio with me today, as always, is Caleb Henry. Hello. Good morning, Caleb. Uh, Mike Schaefer from Husker 24-7. Is it too late to restart the football season? Can we just go back and start this <laughs> yeah, thing over? Yeah. I think I got support here in the state. Yeah, you, prob- you probably do for, for a variety of people and a variety of pro fans, too, at this point as well. And then uh, Kenny Larrabee is doing our video today. We are back on video on Facebook. If you want to watch us there, facebook.com slash LNK today. Uh, if you want to watch us there and uh, see the neat the graphics and the video and everything Kenny's doing there, Mark Vale, of course, is in the KLIN newsroom. You'll hear from him at the top of the hour and keep track of everything that's going on in our world. All right, so let's jump into it. Oh, and by the way, we will have Kevin Suits joining us during the 8 o'clock hour in studio today. He is not traveling, obviously, because we no longer have a road game to deal with. Well, Mike... Uh, Nebraska, Colorado, and once again, you walk away from that game in kind of an odd way where you say, well, Colorado was probably the better team in that game, although I kind of wish I could see it play out without the turnovers marring things at the end of the first half, um, because there's also a part of you that thought, well, they kind of dictated what they wanted to do in the first half of that game, but the final score doesn't indicate any of that, and the final feeling probably doesn't, it probably doesn't make anybody feel better after it's all over. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, some Nebraska fans kind of went into that wondering if the defense would be able to hold up, if Nebraska could have the athletes to hold up against Colorado's passing attack. And, you know, Shador Sanders obviously had yards and, and everything by the end of it, but it really felt like if you go back and you, you were to look at that first, you know, quarter and a half, it was all Nebraska. I mean, even offensively, too. They got to the further point on the field twice. Uh, came away with a, a fumble and a missed field goal for their efforts. So, um, you know, with with what the Huskers wanted to do in the first half, it felt like they were uh, playing the game that they wanted. I mean, they, they wanted it to be a physical football game. They didn't want it to be a seven-on-seven game, and they largely got that. And then, of course, you know, you mentioned the turnovers. You had the fumble right at the beginning of the game. You had the fumble... Um, that popped up right after the missed field goal. I mean, that's one of the most disappointing parts of all of this is you had a stretch where Nebraska's defense effectively had four straight three and outs. I mean, there was one converted first down in there because of a penalty because Travis Hunter got touched on the sidelines. Yes. And, uh, you know, reacted in a manner that would suggest that he had taken a punch to the face. Yeah. Hey, um, now, no, Nebraska drew one of those two. <laughs> 
A punch to the face? No, a a personal foul on an acting job. I think I think it was Reimer. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Was it was it Reimer who f- fell back? I think yeah. he got hit a little he bit did more. Get he but... added. You're right. He acted. He added to it. But yeah, yeah. But any in any case, yes. Um. So you you have that first down, but otherwise Nebraska had basically just taken Colorado's offense completely out of that game. And Nebraska misses a field goal. You get the immediate three and out. Again, they stand up. The backbone's right there. And then the just seemingly absolutely bizarre snap issue for Jeff Sims pops up. Fumble. And you know what Nebraska does? Three straight defensive plays forces a field goal. They're rewarded for their efforts? No, they are not. Interception. And then the dam sort of breaks for the first time. Uh, I don't know which of their man. When you describe receivers. it like that, doesn't it feel like holy cow? They kept getting the opportunity. They kept over overcoming the they moment. They well. kept overcoming like the moment, and then it just got to be too many. It's tiring to have to sort of talk about this team like they're not the worst football team ever, and while also acknowledging that both of their opponents did things that were better. Right. But you know, it doesn't really reflect it when you're zero and two, and you have a grand total of what uh 24 points yeah in two games you have three touchdowns one of which maybe you get maybe you don't who knows the end of that game right. was whatever right um you know so there's it's it's hard and it's it's understandable right now if you're not particularly enthusiastic for the home opener but these are two critical weeks for Nebraska i mean they have opportunities here in front of them to try to start to fix these issues. I mean, Marcus Satterfield, I asked the question on on Wednesday, uh, you know, what's it like to try to transition a program and transition an offense? You can do it on the road both weeks, and you're doing it against two Power 5 teams, which, by the way, those teams are probably going to combine for 16 or more wins. So, you know, it's not a... It's not like Nebraska got an easy draw or the ability to just sort of limp into the season. Mm-hmm. By the way, and I so, have Satterfield's uh, clip of that in yeah. sound off. All right, good. So don't um, spoil it. So yeah, yeah. So stop so, talking about it right now. I will. I will move don't on. Don't spoil the that. answer that you elicited, please. <laughs> I had a good day at press conference. If there was fantasy points for that. It was a good week. <laughs> um, you know, so you look at just this where they're at right now. You have your zero and two, and you really have to. to really think about these next two weeks as a chance to little bit of a palate cleanser little bit of a okay let's work on us little bit of the defense gets to kind of go um you know at home gets an opportunity to maybe up their play and that's that's the other thing i mean the the difficult thing here the defense has been good it has a chance to be great but in order for it to be great we need to see more turnovers they got to get off the field yeah. more on third down you know there's there's ways for this team to improve and I think all of all of these things can be true while also being disappointed that Nebraska's zero two. Yeah, so it's a it's a tough time, Caleb, as, it, as it always seems to be every year. <laughs> right, <laughs> halfway through September. I mean, here we are once again, Caleb. I want to ask you this, and 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 have all of us chime in, maybe. But w- when you talk about issues that exist on the team, obviously, 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 nobody's going to argue that turnovers are not way way up there. But my question is, when it comes to the offense, like. Can you even over 
if you take if you take away the turnovers, I guess, and the, you're obviously not going to take away turnovers completely. Right. But even if you cut them in half or get them to, you know, if you have if you've got say one a game at this point, how different does this offense and this team overall feel if you just get the turnovers out of the once a quarter territory? Right. Right. Now? Well. I don't know if it entirely changes like the the ultimate result in Colorado type of thing. If, if you're just looking immediately, would it have changed either of the it's losses to, to a win? Yeah, I know it's it's hard. Yeah. But Minnesota, you, it probably but, does. But yes, yes. Immediately, I looked at Minnesota, and you say if you cut it in half, that means in the first half. Okay, did you get a? Did you add a field goal, or did you potentially add a touchdown instead of? getting no points in the first half there. And then at the very end of the game, your two turnovers over the course of a couple of minutes turned into 10 points for Minnesota and ultimately the the game winner. If you remove one of those, Nebraska wins the game. Right. It, assuming you're you're going to not doink a field goal, you know. Uh I don't think it ultimately changes the the result at Colorado, but it changes the feel of the team. Now that that's the 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 big thing there to look at the offense and go that's the glaring error. The the turnovers are the the big mistake that has to get fixed. And Jeff Sims rightfully is the is the one whose shoulders those land on. The rest of it though, the offense isn't moving. The wide receivers can't get open. Uh the the play design isn't isn't really we saw a little bit better at the start of Colorado where it was like, oh, here's Billy Kemp in space. Right. Here, here's a little bit of a, a tight end open across the middle. You didn't see a whole lot of that against Minnesota, and maybe it's because Minnesota just game-planned a little bit better, but it didn't seem like the offensive play calling was setting up for that, and you were just hammering it with Gabe Irvin. It seemed like the, the play calling was better in the second second game, but the offense isn't helping itself out outside of the turnovers, and then those just make it an even bigger deal, a bigger issue. Yeah. yeah, Mike. What can what can this offense be if you get again? I think we probably all agree reducing turnovers has got to be job one right now, by far, far and away, it, it, number one with a bullet on the entire team. If they could somehow do that, if they somehow regress to the mean, by the way, 130th out of 130 right now in turnover margin. Um, there is no, but not even tied for last you gotta give place. give them credit for finding the extremes. I mean, unbel- like dead last place. There's nobody close in turnover margin right now. Yet you go the other direction and you've got teams that, uh, you know, have as many turnover there's like arkansas and liberty and western kentucky are all plus three can you imagine uh what that would be like if nebraska was able to flip that but nonetheless can you imagine if nebraska was plus three but you didn't give up any of the turnovers right they had nine right, takeaways right. in two games it, it, yeah and this is this is net so this even factors in so or wait is, i guess they would have to have 11 takeaways yeah, over yeah. nebraska games. is minus three per game is the way that they figure it out in this particular way that mm-hmm. i'm looking at the stat but but mike let's say you get this you get to the to the middle of the pack somehow the rest of the season in turnover margin which is probably easier said than done but let's say you do that like what how, how much of a shot in the arm is just that fact to this team, if you can do that, whoever's playing quarterback. You have to think about it in a couple ways. So maybe you put more points on the board because obviously you have multiple of these turnovers have now occurred, um, you know, in areas of the field where you expect to score points. So you have the fumbled snap at the beginning of the Colorado game. You're expecting Nebraska to score points there. You have the interception uh, in the end zone against Minnesota. You're expecting Nebraska to score points there. So you have those. So that in itself, um, you know, helps out your team because you're, you're attempting, you're, you're endeavoring to have more points. Doesn't always work. 
but that's sort of the expectation. I think the biggest thing, and this is sort of where it's critical, this offense is so out of sync because it doesn't have consistency. Like, it doesn't get to build off of drive after drive after drive because you have all of these turnovers. We don't really know what this offense is because either you're behind the eight ball because you're trailing now because of the turnovers, or the turnovers just create such a disjointed thing that Marcus Satterfield is picking plays simply to avoid turning the ball over, which is not, you know, how you call an offense. So it it's a it's a massive deal in a lot of ways. But here's here's probably the most frustrating thing for fans. It's not like there's some drill that they can just do <laughs> that they come in the anti turnover drill. <laughs> you know, it's gonna fix the turnover. It's not like they haven't spent every single day since this coaching staff has been here preaching ball security. It's not like it's paramount to the identity that they want to have. So the problem is, how do you fix that? Now, you're going to have people that are listening to this as they're driving somewhere screaming, bench Jeff Sims. Mm -hmm. Okay. You move on from that. Does that fix everything? Probably not. Because here's the thing. This offense, and the only way I feel like this offense is going to be successful, is a heavy dose of quarterback run game. Mm-hmm. What do we know from more than a decade plus of a team that's largely been dependent on its quarterback to do everything? They turn the ball over a lot. Mm. So whether it's Heinrich Harburg or whether it's Jeff Sims or whether it's you know Chubba Purdy, and I'm guessing if it's Chubba Purdy, it's a lot less quarterback run game. Right. Uh, you're you're probably still going to be susceptible to turning the ball over. Now, is it going to be theoretically less than these quantities? You would hope because this is, feels rare. But you know, here's where they are. This is this is what it is. Gains for this team would be to go from four turnovers a game to two. So yeah. if they can cut it in yeah. half against Northern Illinois, there's going to be people dancing in the aisles. Yeah, I will. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's sort of the, the, the difficult nature of all of that. I mean, I, I just think the only real thing that you can you can sort of hope for, because the turnovers are still going to happen, you just you want the quantity down, is that they can kind of figure out what it is they want to do on offense. And that's what they really need these two weeks against Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech, because I do think that they have a schedule that allows for them to stack some wins later in the season if they play better football. Yeah. These two weeks are critical for getting to play better football. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is an interesting question. Number one, we and I asked this question a lot this summer, and I think people thought they had an idea of what the sort of the identity of this offense was going to be, although I don't know if I believed them. But two weeks in, I don't know if we do. Uh, and I also don't know if we know what the best what the best identity is for what they've got on this offense. I as think well. there's, it might right. just be let, yeah. the quarterback run game. Well, I, I think there's what identity do they want to have, and what identity do they have to take to win football games. Those right. are probably yeah. two different things because right. I don't think they can be a pro style offense that works the play action. Uh, that pushes teams around, runs a power running game, takes deep shots down the field. They don't have the pieces for that for whatever reason. This is how they had built things at Baylor. They don't have those pieces right now, and in no short part because I don't think they have the receivers that really can threaten defenses. It doesn't feel like they have a quarterback that's reading defenses. So what what do they have? What has worked for them? 
Right now, it's Jeff Sims' legs. Mm -hmm. And here's the problem with that. He's probably not going to play on Saturday. Mm -hmm. He may not play next Saturday. Mm -hmm. And we were talking all offseason about, hey, this guy misses games every year. You probably can't build your offense around him running the football because you're not going to be able to rely on that every week of the season in the Big Ten schedule where these guys are big. Yeah. He didn't make it to three games. Mm-hmm. Like, so if it is Heinrich Harburg and you do go to a heavy dose of quarterback run game, you better hope that Heinrich Harburg is, you know, a little bit more capable of playing through or not suffering injuries in the same rate that Jeff Sims is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just the way this whole season has started, the way they set themselves up for this season to play out has just gone completely pear shaped. Jack, let me ask you this, as we've talked about the way last week went, the way kind of the first two weeks have went, the manner in the way those losses happened. I think there were plenty, there were a lot of people that were thinking 1-1, one one, maybe 0-2, oh as very realistic. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. Yeah. But the way that these losses happened, has that changed any of how you view the overall season, the manner of the losses... Going to most likely going to a backup quarterback by game three as you come home. Well, in a weird, in a weird, they're, they're very different than I expected, but in a way, it offsets each other a little bit to some degree and gets me back to kind of an overall finish in, in terms of a number than I thought. And here's what I mean by that: we just talked extensively about the offense, and yeah, the I and I had a feeling. I think we all guys kind of had a feeling, especially after uh, Xavier Betts is no longer on the team. And then after Isaiah, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda goes down, I think we all had a, a little bit of a feeling that it was going to be a challenge to find something that was going to be, for lack of a better term, uh, a playmaking option on your offense. I, th- I think we all kind of sensed that. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing that's a surprise is about the offense is just that the turnovers are at such a, a biblical proportion at this point. Uh, th- I mean, I think that that's the only thing. Like, I'd be surprised if any team in America did that, but Nebraska has done that somehow. Uh, dead last in the... Uh, and again, things like, how does this happen? Catching snaps. I mean, how is Nebraska the only program in America that within a three-year period has had a problem with the yips on both sides of the snapped ball? <laughs> Snapping the ball. They've done it. It's amazing, but nonetheless, I digress. The other side of that, Caleb, is this defense is genuinely better than I thought it would be. Oh, very much so. So the defense is better. We came in, and I'm going to guess when we talked about, we went back and listened to tape before the season, we were talking about our confidence in different rooms, the different groups of positions. We all would have brought up concern about the defensive line. Everybody did the entire summer. False. You didn't. Yeah, I've been high on the defensive okay. line. Then you were right. You were in the minority, though. Yeah, I, I know that. You were, you were I, in the minority. I'm not trying to take a victory lap here. Right. It's one of the things that, as sort of the spring progressed and the summer was going, and and um, you know, there's countless examples of this, but it's you just kept getting a feeling that they liked what they had there gotcha. quite a bit, and then you go back and you look. One of the hallmarks everywhere Matt Rule has been with every one of his teams, almost every season, the defensive line, it's good. Yeah. And so you don't, it's not that he coaches a position, though he previously used to. It's that 
it feels like he has a good eye for the right people. We know that he has his hands all over everything with that program, so he's still going to be pretty involved with that. And I really like the Terrence Knighton hire from the moment that it happened. And they have talent there. I mean, they were excited about Nash Hutmacher. They were excited about Ty Robinson. Obviously, I didn't expect Cameron Lenhart to be that good. I don't know that anybody did. But Blaze Gunnarsson, another one of those guys, they were excited about all three of those in the previous staff. They were all big recruiting wins. And so it's one of those things where it's like you get the right system, the right position coach, they can flourish. Right. And I felt, I didn't think they'd be this good. I, so I'm, I'm going to halt myself uh, there. And, and that, that makes complete sense. I do think, like, Ali, just speaking even for myself, though, I was concerned about depth. I was concerned about how long it was going to take for the freshmen, yeah. like Lenhart. Well, and, and then the Prince boost Will, that that gives you is And Prince Well, and I definitely Riley didn't expect Van Poppel coming in yep. making sacks in week two whatsoever. I didn't expect, I'm, I mean, look, I, and I knew Huttmacher had experience. I didn't expect him to play as well as he is either. Yeah, the, probably the, the same buzz with about him out of spring was really yeah, strong. Yeah, and too. and so do, credit credit for you on that. But back to Caleb's original question, just in terms of how I've adjusted my expectation, it's not just the defensive line either. It's the, it's the entire defense and the secondary. I expected to be the strongest position group on the team, and I think they pretty much lived up to that yeah. for the most part. For the most part, they've lived up to that. I mean, but what I didn't expect is a defense, guys, that is shuffling in. 22, 23 guys regularly. Yes, 22, 23 guys on the regular, especially in those front six. Like, you can have two drives with a completely different front six. Hockey-style line changes. Yeah, you have a line change at D-line and linebacker, and it feels like you don't lose a step with this defense. It is... the shame of this whole dang season is how friggin' fun this defense is. And nobody's able to enjoy the fun of this defense. Do you guys agree? Like, yeah. This should be the, exactly what you talked about, or what, what you were referencing there. The line changes. The, they lead the dang nation in quarterback sacks. Can you, <laughs> When's the last time you said that? If, can, if you told us in July, guess what? After two weeks, they're going to lead the nation in sacks. You're going to be like, whoop, 2-0 and oh with a bullet. Since, Without a doubt, right? Since Indomitian Sue was running over Colt McCoy yeah, right. in the 9 Big 12 championship game. Most sacks in a game since then. Yeah. It, 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 it's frustrating because it's not complimentary football. And, the, you know, once again, how many times have we said that? But, God, you are, I don't want them to continue to waste what is an effective, not perfect, but an effective defense and one that's so Potentially, I mean, man, the first half of that Colorado game again, again, I know how the end went, and I know you can't take the first half in isolation in the game, but they showed up the stats once, and in the second quarter, and Nebraska had 10 more passing yards than Colorado did. Yep. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, well, I mean, we we talked about the turnovers. Not getting a helmet sticker this week, Brian Buschini's 26-yard punt also. Complimentary football. Right at Mm -hmm. halftime. I mean, you you had a chance to, it should have been... What ten nothing yeah. going into that? Yeah. So, like three points when you lose thirty six to fourteen or whatever it was doesn't seem like seems a big small. deal. But it's a big deal when that game could have been ten to seven. Yeah, um, it's a big deal when that you know fourth quarter starts and instead of it being twenty to seven or whatever it was, um, you know you have an opportunity there and it's it's yep. seventeen to seven. Like so, it's three points is still an important thing. Um, I, I go back to this, and, and we can talk about the wide receivers. We knew that that was going to be a little bit of a struggle. They talked all spring and a lot of the summer about how much they love this running back room. And I understand that in the first game, 
they got a combined 16 carries. They didn't have a ton of snaps. Nothing I have seen out of the, the running back room makes me think that you can rely on that as your offense either. Like, there's right. no yeah. – and especially – this is this is the shame of the Anthony Grant fumble. He's probably your best running back. Yeah. Like, I, I think Gabe Irvin's a great kid. I think he's going to get you what's there. I think he completely lacks explosion, um, you know, against better, faster defenses, which is almost your entire division. So the the difficulty is – Unless you're just looking to get four yards, you know, you're you're not going to get a big game-breaking play out of Gabe Irvin. And so for Anthony Grant to pretty much go on the shelf because of that fumble in a in a situation in which he's making a play, yep. it, yeah. it removes another person from your offense that has that ability. Yeah. Let's grab a break right now. We'll get back to Anthony Grant a little bit later in the show because that's a discussion all unto itself. Uh, we're going to get into the sound I should have read the notes. That's okay. No, that's okay. Yeah, again, it's, it's a tease. We're, we're teaching you to tease, Mike. <laughs> tease ahead in radio. Uh, we got Fantasy Huskers keyword coming up and then the sound off what we saw and heard, including questions that Mike asked in press conferences coming up next on KLIN the overnight low. There is a slight chance for rain early Saturday, otherwise mostly sunny in 81. From the 10-11 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Brad Anderson. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. The city of Lincoln is still buzzing over the controversy on la- on yesterday's Fantasy Huskers. No controversy. Um, the controversy being that my assignment during Fantasy Huskers is to then is to get the word from Caleb and then spell the word from Caleb so our texters know how to spell. You didn't get to week three. At the end of week three, you've already misspelled one? I think technically there's still some, some questions out about exactly. No, there are no questions. I... I, Everyone can, can I be an impartial judge here? So I for, I apparently, according to some audio that I don't know, it, it could be doctored, it, I don't know for sure, but I didn't say the first R in the word quarterback. Um, I don't know, again, I don't know if it's a deep fake, I don't know what this is exactly. So you went Q-U-A-T-E-R-B-A-C-K. Now, uh, number one, even if we could, and we can't, even if we could completely um, confirm that this audio Today's is real. Seahuskers. Oh, controversy. Oh, wait, that was today. Uh, ah, yeah. That shows what you do. Look at you with another deep fake. Look, he's, cap- wow. he's capturing your voice so he can AI deep fake it. I hope you know. I, hope you- I did not know. Yeah, that's what he's doing. That's I didn't sign a waiver for he's that either. It doesn't Pick. matter. That get, word get, is here's quarterback. Quarterback. Q U A T E R B A C K. Okay. It does sound like your voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that does sound like you. Even if even if I seed that point that that actually happened, that would have been <laughs> classified as an unintentional misspelling. Okay, I did not have that. What oh, that is? How do you think this works at the spelling? Right. That's not an error in spelling. That's an error in execution, and that's different. this isn't a courtroom. <laughs> if you were taking a spelling test, you'd get the word wrong. You wouldn't be able to stand there talking with your teacher and being like, well, I know how to spell it. I, I just do. Left I've spelled it out. all year. The bottom line is I know the answer. I, <laughs> I know the answer. I've never misspelled that word. 
you just that was some did. kind of a fluke situation. It's obviously not a representation of the true world. <laughs> anyway, that aside, uh, it is Fantasy Oscars, and we ask you to text in a word that I spell usually correctly for you, and you text in it. You can get a pick. Uh, in fantasy, the fantasy Oscar draft, where you predict what's going to happen in the game. If you get a pick today, we're going to ask you when Nebraska scores its first touchdown of the game. Quarter time remaining. Quarter time remaining. When will they get that first touchdown? So, Caleb, what is the word today? Northern. <sighs> okay. So I got to slow down. N O R T H E R N. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Northern. Uh, Timestamp six thirty six, September fifteenth, twenty twenty three. Correct. Text that in. And we're going to select one of the people who texted in randomly to get a pick. Uh, what is our uh, what is our range of picks look like now? Here? Uh, by the way, number four zero two four seven nine fourteen hundred. The range of picks goes from yesterday. You had by the way yesterday's picks. Oh, we have them Pine, up on the screen. Yeah, Pine Lake Mike. There if you're watching go. on Facebook, Pine Lake Mike said uh, first quarter three minutes. Joshua said eleven eleven in the first. That's the earliest we have in the game. The latest we have into the game is second quarter, 10 minutes. Nebraska has zero first quarter touchdowns this season. Right, so. Zero second quarter touchdowns this season. Oh my zero first half touchdowns so this you're, season. If you're playing to win this game, you're, you, Mike Schaefer, are playing late right now. Just, well, because well, of just the looking at what's on the board, right. I think you're, you're definitely going to... Just take 9.59 in the second and you have the rest of the game. I would... No, well... That's yeah. what you could do right now. Right now, there's I, one more pick to be had. I would probably go 12 minutes in the third quarter. Like I, you have a you, you have a less probably percent Jeez. chance of winning, but you're giving yourself the <laughs> oh best. Oh my gosh! If they don't score in the first half, based on what they've done, so <laughs> I can't. Well, they might score in the first half. It might a just touchdown. Be a lot of field goals. A touchdown. Yes, I know a touchdown. If it's, if it's still, if it's the Alvano <laughs> show in the first half, no offense, Tristan, I'll still be disappointed. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say just that. Pointing out. Uh, all right, let's listen to uh, what the coaches, what the players had to say today. It's our sound off section, and if you're uh, watching on Facebook, get a little video alongside it. So what do we have coming up today? Uh, video's not working today. Video's but, not working. The first time but, I ever promote it, we don't have it. But so we've got go. the audio, and we have to start with <laughs> Matt Rule talking about Logo Gate. We go there, we pray for blessings. When they, they came in, I asked them if they wanted to, I, said, I asked Shadur if he wanted to pray with us. You know, I mean... We're, we, I, I pray over every, you know, I'm a public official, but I can have my own faith. And I say pray, we, we, we take a moment of team, like, you know, it's not, it's non, not, we have Muslim guys, we have non-believers, we, we just take a moment as a team and just, I want that field to be safe for everybody. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the game, no, one, no one's going to tell me who I am. You know, at the end of that game, they told me, hey, we're going to run right off the field and they're going to storm the field. I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't care if I get beaten up by a mob I'm walking across running across that field and I'm shaking coach Sanders hand so no people can say what you know when you're losing people are going to say all kinds of things about you I know exactly who I am I know exactly who I am and I'm coaching this team with class and I'm not changing and I went over there and I shook that man's hand I whispered in his ear and I've never disrespected opponent a day in my life and never will yeah I mean <laughs> listen they obviously and maybe to their credit Maybe to their credit, they have done the thing where, which a lot of great competitors have done in the past, where they create a conflict where there isn't a conflict there to motivate them. That's what's happening at that program right now, for better or worse. And I can't stand them. I'll openly say it. I can't wait to see them lose. I cannot wait to see them lose. I'm going to have full joy in it. But they are far from the first 
athletes, competitors, coaches that have self-created a conflict to motivate something. But let's keep that in mind. When you're throwing that out, when you're throwing those accusations out, those are false accusations, in my mind at least, against the coach and the practice and all of those things. But that's what they're doing. There's no mystery here. Well, and it's so much easier to verify anything now because there were 40 different camera angles of the the team in the middle of the field when they went out there. Yeah. On top of everything you heard being chanted from the the Colorado students. Right. Right. That's what they're going to do. That's what Colorado is going to do this year. And to some degree, it worked. Mm -hmm. So, like, what do you even say? What do you even say? They're obvious. And, and there's nobody, I haven't heard anybody in the national media or anyone saying, you know, Rule really was kind of classless for doing that. No, not a person thinks that no. at this point. So, Mike, I don't even know what else there is to say, to say about it. Is he responded Colorado to. Colorado's super annoying. That's yeah. what I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> he responded to what he was asked. And I, I think he was genuinely frustrated by that in addition to everything else. I'm because, sure he is. You know, he's someone who takes a lot of pride in the game of football, and to be accused of disrespecting an opponent's a big deal, the yeah. man rule. So um, I think he wanted to make that as evident as he could, and he did. And I thought he, you know, it's a tough situation. I thought he handled that well. You know, Colorado wanted to come in, and they wanted to do this thing like, hey, with Nebraska, it's already. They, I think they were originally, before the game even happened, I don't know if it was Shadur or other players were referencing back something that Rule said in the summer about how he would build his team different than Dion. Well, yeah, it's not even Colorado. Team. You have media people who basically took comments from Matt Rule and assigned it to Dion Sanders. Yeah. Uh, even though there was no team, there was nothing, you know, he's talking about his team, but that's just. That's what happens. I yeah. mean, if if you don't want this to happen, win football games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yes, yes. But, but I will also say this. Be, be my guest and join me to openly cheer against Colorado <laughs> for, I, I mean, and then, by the way. Sir, I'm going to need you to take your hat and glasses off when you talk to me. Dude, how about Jay Norvell, former Husker Jay Norvell, coming in from Colorado State and apparently deciding, I'm just going to poke the bear completely. If you missed What does it, he have to lose? If you missed it on a, on a radio show, Colorado State radio show, that was like filmed in front of a live audience, or uh, he basically said, Critique Deion Sanders for wearing his sunglasses and his hat in all these public situations and saying, I was taught by my mom, you don't do that. The crowd in the background, the Colorado, a little coffee house in Fort Collins. Everyone's like, yay! (laughs) (laughs) Boy, it was hilarious. What do you have to lose? Yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they're wildly overmatched in this game anyway. I don't know, but I don't know what you have to gain either. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why you do that. Nothing, probably. Because they're going to create something anyway. You, if they're gonna, yeah, like you said, if if they're gonna create things, if if this is gonna happen anyways, you might as well get your shot in when you can. And who knows? Like if if Colorado State ends up somehow winning that game, Jay Norvell's gonna be celebrated for it. <laughs> if they end up losing, no one's gonna care because it's Colorado That's State. True. Yeah. That it's also, a, Jay Norvell kind of has a history of dust ups with lots of coaches. Does so, he? Yeah, I didn't. I always thought there of was him. a there was a fight before a game between Colorado State and Nevada because he had left Nevada, right? And the, one of the coaches that was there took a lot of exception with how he had left things. And there's just a brouhaha before this miserable game between Colorado State and Nevada. Why I was watching, could not tell you, <laughs> but I was watching, and they they kind of go on to talk about like. 
when he was at Nevada, he angered like multiple other coaches in the conference. Like it's kind of something. I did not like. Does. He never came off that way when he was at Nebraska. He just kind of came off as like quiet. I think sort he of just, reserved. I think he's just willing to kind of just be blunt. <laughs> and in a profession Man. where generally not saying anything gets you further ahead, <laughs> being blunt can well can resonate noise. Honestly, I, I think at some point he's probably going to get something going there at Colorado State. But man, a program that should be better than it is has just been through the morass with weird coaching hires for a long. Steve Adazio, oh my gosh, yeah, Jim McElwain, yeah, just bizarre, uh, bizarre. Yeah, there's going another out one there. there too, yeah. yeah, and they're they're in a bad place right now. So I. Whatever, whatever. I just, again, bottom line, I, I wish Nebraska had done it so badly, but if it can't be Nebraska, I can't wait till USC or Oregon <laughs> or Washington or Washington State, for that matter, just tears that Colorado offensive Oregon line State, apart. Utah, Oregon State, Utah, Arizona State. Do it, DJ, DJ Ungalele throws for 450 against him. That'd be great. There's going to be a million points scored in that Colorado-USC uh, game, by the way. Zero defense. Man, again, God, I know this isn't about Colorado, but I'm obviously obsessed. Are they living rent-free in my head? Fine, if you use that term, they're living rent-free in my head. Yes, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with seeing them lose at some point. But goodness sake, man, you talk about a coaching job, about coaching around weaknesses. Holy crap, they're doing a good job with that. Yeah. They have huge weaknesses. That offensive line was overmatched, completely overmatched by the Nebraska defense in that game for the most part. And they still had a good offensive game. It didn't even matter. I couldn't run the ball. It didn't matter. I One of the things that Colorado did that Nebraska just hasn't done through two weeks, and Colorado has done it for two weeks, their guys made plays. Like, they just make plays. And they make the simple plays right in front of them, picking up the football that mm-hmm. the other team's quarterback couldn't catch off the snap. Mm-hmm. They make the difficult plays. Shador Sanders was way better than I expected yeah. him to be. Way better. I mean, he could move the pocket enough with his like he got sacked what eight times, but it yeah. could have been it could have been fourteen. I know that's the I funny mean, thing. Like he he is good. You have their wide receivers obviously are are talented. Um, you know, so they they have guys that went out and made plays. And I'm here watching Nebraska, and it's like they can't make the simple plays of catching snaps. Your wide receivers who are on the field to catch the ball can't catch on third and 15. Mm-hmm. The best pass thrown all season hits you right in the hands. Yep. You can't catch it. Yep. Your tight end can't hold on in third down. Like, we can talk all we want about rhythm, turnovers, whatever. Nebraska has to go out and actually make plays on offense, too. Yep. yep. I mean, their best play is essentially a broken-down quarterback run. That's <laughs> and, their best play all season. And a trick play. Yeah, yeah, they didn't two. even run right. right. Yeah. All right, Caleb, what else you got for us? Uh, Marcus Satterfeld was asked about starting with the first two games on the road. Oh, interesting. Right now, it sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. I mean, you'd love to have been at home and been comfortable and, you know, playing maybe, a, you know, like some people do, uh, you know, what would be seen as a smaller opponent. That, that would have felt better. But in the long run, six weeks from now, would it have been better? No. What stinks right now, you know, kind of doubling down on the process, is going to make us stronger six weeks from now. We you know, we needed to go through that. We needed. To, I mean, we played in two hostile environments. That environment. I mean, I was in the SEC for two years. Those are some crazy stadiums. Last week was insane, and uh, you know the crowd noise and everything that we've had to go through the first two weeks offensively to force the issue of, of communication. Uh, you know, really ramping up the communication, you know, new ways to communicate, I think is going to pay dividends for us, you know, six, seven weeks from now. So what sucks right now, right, <laughs> is going to be a blessing in the end. It sucks.
Marcus. <laughs> Tell us what I, you really think, Marcus. <laughs> I was not anticipating that answer, but that was like the first time that I can think of where Satterfield did not just sort of go to kind of the immediate bag of coach speak, but you actually saw emotion and frustration and anger. And I think that's kind of good. Like, I think the fan base kind of needs yeah. to see that a little yeah. bit. Like, what they don't need is a bunch of, you know, answers that are, you know, you got to trust us. We're going to get this fixed. We believe in what we're doing. We believe in the kids. Like, that's all good. And from a PR standpoint, probably the smart thing to do. And yet, at the same time, sometimes the fans just want to know you're as unhappy as they are. Even though it's obvious that they are not happy by right. what's happening there. But it, it, I thought, was important. Yeah, Caleb, do you think this offense, I mean, again, I almost think that the turnovers have to regress to a mean at some point. I just just think it's so absurd at this point. But can this, how does this offense get better? And and let me ask you this, how much difference would it make if early in the game at Nebraska against Northern Illinois gets an actual drive that starts at their own 25 or 30 or wherever, goes down the field, 10, 11, 15 play drive, and scores a touchdown from within the red zone? Like, I feel like that's a mental block at this point. Well, Nebraska has one touchdown in the red zone so right, far and this that's year, a, and it happened with one second yes, left in the game. Yes. So, yeah, I think it would do it would do a lot for I just the that, confidence. I think that would be huge. And and a big part of that is going to be, in order to do those things, obviously, yes, you can't turn the ball over, but you also have to not have a mistimed snap because Rule had said that they were actually going to go for it on fourth down. Instead, they're backed up a little bit from the from that first down line, and then they have to doink a field goal attempt. Um, I think it would do a lot because in order to get to that place, you have to consistently be getting first downs. You have to not have the back-breaking penalties that hurt you in trying to get yeah, those first downs. Yeah, they had a lot downs. of those, too. So, so there's all these different things that you can get it to a third and one and just say, we're running it twice here. Well, if you get a false start, now you're in a third and six, and it's, right. okay, well, the play calling changes. We might not be going for it on fourth down. Right. Like, all of those different types of things continue to happen. Like I, like we've said before, the glaring issue is the turnovers and the quarterback decision-making and not being able to catch a snap, but it's an offensive line penalty here, a dropped pass for a first down there, guys not getting open, not being able to consistently move the ball aside from the turnovers. So being able to take a drive 70, 80 yards and just say, we're punching it in. Right. It's We've got first and goal from the seven, and we're scoring right, right now. Being able to do that can do a lot for this team's confidence when in a few weeks you do get back into Big Ten play. Uh, and I'll say this again, and I know it was only in seven games, and I know it was probably short passes, and it wasn't lighting up the scoreboard, anything like that. Jeff Sims last year, 188 passes, seven games, three interceptions, two fumbles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Well, if you're talking about Jeff Sims, Matt Rule talked about his status. I'm not sure what Jeff's status will be for the game. Um He's progressing, you know, so as you guys know, Thursday for us is a walkthrough day. Friday will be a full practice day. So I know he feels like he's getting better. He's moving around and stuff. So we'll see how he does tomorrow. That sounds to me like a coach who uh, wants 
wants its opponent to think he may still play, and there's an l- unlikely chance he's going to play. Yeah, I don't think he's Th- going to play. That's what it sounds like to me. You guys I think you're seeing Heinrich Harburg yeah. coming out there, first uh, first opportunity for Nebraska's offense on Saturday. Um, I, Caleb, I want you to give us, I don't know if we have time now, but a little bit maybe later in the show, I know you you've uh, you know a lot about Heinrich Harburg. We'll be looking forward to get a little yeah. bit more insight. By the way, real quick, is Chubba Purdy, do you expect, I know he was dealing, uh, we were talking to Greg Sharp yesterday, injury. he said it, it was, was a groin, groin injury. And so uh, he's, I guess, available, but probably not. Like I, I don't know what his status is exactly. I, but if it's if it's somebody else than Sims, we think it's Harburg, right? Is that yeah? Yeah. yeah. I, I can't imagine that it would be Chubba Purdy. Okay. Um, now it now if it does get to a, and you don't want this against Northern Illinois, but definite passing situation, two minute drill type of thing, and you want to be slinging it. Right now, I think they trust Chubba Purdy more in that situation than they do Heinrich Harper. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see if you would see both of them at all, just out, just not because of injury or anything else, but if that would happen. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we got more coming up. You're listening to the Friday Husker Tailgate, Northern Illinois Week, right here on KLIN. He doesn't say no to his customers about these custom creations, and he won't for you either. You're going to find him here in Lincoln at 69th and O. That's at Meridian Park. Or you can find out more online at DarylsJewelers.com. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. All right. Um... Yeah, so this is normally, we got a few minutes left. We normally kind of focus on the news and notes that came out at the end of the week. The big one, of course, was the quarterback thing, and I think we kind of covered that there during the last segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like we all feel like, based on what we're seeing and hearing from the coaches, that it's a good likelihood that you're going to see Heinrich Harburg out there. Uh, any other injuries, any other notes, Caleb, from yesterday that might be uh, impactful for this uh, No, game? kind of the, the, the biggest thing that, that really got said this week that I, I didn't get a chance to get to in, in sound off just based on our discussion was Rule was talking about how things have gone through the first two games and as he's building the foundation, and he said... This is what you get when you hire me. And there were a lot of people taking that comment a lot of different ways. Yeah. This is, what do you mean by taking it a different way? I mean, because obviously the way I took it is he start he rebuilds program and it takes a few years to do right. it. Right. Yeah, the That's way the way I was taking it was there are good things happening, but there's growing pains in making sure you're going through the process and the way that they want to make sure the foundation is steady. And he talked about that, that it's built on rock. It's built on all of these things. And there were some people that saying, oh, you have to lose when you hire Matt Rule. Mm. And I don't think that's the way he intended it, because there was no reason that Nebraska had to lose the last couple of weeks based on the, the abilities and the matchups right. that they had. Just there were the growing pains that ultimately led to those. And I don't think he meant that this is a, an O and eleven Temple year coming when he said that necessarily either. I mean, I, I think the I don't think that over there about this team. Yeah, maybe. I don't think that was. I think what he was saying was we have a building process that we stick to, and in and you know in. In year one, you know, we know there are going to be bumps in the road going into it in year one, and that's been, and then we address them, we build from there, and we didn't come in claiming to have the, you know, the finished product when we started things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's more of what he was saying, rather than saying, well, first year at Temple, first year at Baylor, one win, zero wins, two wins, whatever, that's what's coming here. You, you, they don't think that in the building. No, I mean, I, I think they like 
the the structure of this team. I think they're excited about the foundation of what they're able to build. I think you can see it in terms of what they're doing defensively. Uh, and I, I think they have hopes for where this could go offensively, too. It's, you know, I I understand being frustrated as a fan. I understand you want to, like, parse through every comment that anyone says. But, like, it's the third game of the man's tenure. Yeah. Did you really expect that it was going to be a well-oiled machine? Right. But you might have expected Nebraska to be 1-1. One and one. I thought they'd be 2-0. and oh. Honestly, right. I did. Um, but, like... Let's let's have a little grace here. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's let let's see. It wasn't going to be perfect, and it hasn't been perfect. All right, it's six fifty eight. We'll take a break. Uh, coming up next hour, a whole lot more from Friday Husker Tailgate on KLIN. Avenue that is closed for paving water. Do keep in mind it is motorcycle and bicycle season. Look once and look again. Keeping you moving with time saver traffic. I'm Chris Lofgren. Collect the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Into the 40, 35, 30. Quick to tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit, dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics. Who's showed out this week? We award helmet stickers next. Presented by Blur Events on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it's time to award some helmet stickers. The greatest honor you can achieve in college football is a virtual helmet sticker from the Friday Husker tailgate. You hear? <laughs> I mean, I know in the locker room, they're, they're Omar Brown right now is very excited. Nash Hutmacher saying, hey, guys, you know that I've got three virtual helmet stickers. And then people are like, what's that? Is that like an NFT or something? And like, no. It's not even that. Should make um, a helmet sticker NFT. We should, that would be cool. We ought to do that. Is Friday, anyone still selling NFTs? Could, is, how does that work? Could we get that? Would be a cool deal if we could send these guys NFTs uh, of of their. And that used to be worried that if you did something like that, you'd be violating eligibility. But now you can pretty much give people money and sandwiches and whatever they want. And they can right? display it on the TV that's in everyone's locker right. at the new place. All right, Omar Brown, Hutmacher, uh, uh, you guys and, and the people we're going to name today. Maybe you'll be getting some NFTs in your digital wallet or <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever that is. Wallet. I don't know quite how that works. Uh, all right. Anyway, but yes, the helmet sticker leaderboard right now after just one game, Nash Hutmarker number one, Omar Brown co-number one, both picked up helmet stickers from all three of us last week. Uh, Brian Buschini has two, and I gave Javen Wright one. Last week, and so there are only four people who have gained helmet stickers so far, but I think a few more will today. Uh, I don't know anybody want to volunteer to start today. You, sure. Th- that way, may, in case you're going to get doubled up by someone, I'm sure I'm probably just going to repeat whoever you say here. For, <laughs> yeah, there's probably a good chance here. Um, I'm going to give one to Makai Bear, who Jack apparently does not know. I'll tell you what, uh, he made that really good tackle against Minnesota uh, on a punt. 
uh, punt. I think he had a couple of plays maybe against yeah. Minnesota, but there was one that was like a really visually. Tony good White play. talked about it. Like I, I, I reacted to it audibly in my uh, in with my son when I was watching the thing, and I saw his last name and I was like, I don't. I, I don't know who that is. I have no clue. From Irvington, New I have Jersey. No clue who he is. And then yesterday, or on Saturday, then I'm, he he makes a play, and I was like, I think that's MJ Sherman. That was a great play. And he gets up, and it was like, no, it was that mystery guy from the punt team. The mystery guy. Who is this guy? So you're gonna give your helmet sticker to mystery guy? <laughs> he is. I don't know where he can. I don't know, Mike. I didn't see it. I, I can. I can give you a background. I didn't on him see you, you covering him this summer. Yeah, you, you probably did. Uh, no, I mean, so I asked Tony White about him, and Tony White sort of said, you know, in the spring we could tell this is a guy that that can make some plays for you, and he's doing everything right, <laughs> and he's just like this sort of slow progression of he keeps sort of popping up, right? And then you last wrote week, mystery guy, <laughs> yeah, he had <laughs> he had the uh, the play against Minnesota, and Rule basically goes to Tony White, and he's like, we got to find a way to get this guy on the field, and so they do. And he has that outstanding tackle against Dylan Edwards in space. Yes. Basically, it's a third and two. Edwards leaks out. It feels like this is the sort of play that mm-hmm. TCU mm-hmm. got demolished on. And Bear is right there, stuffs him. He has like five other tackles in the game, four of which are right around the line of scrimmage. He had a really, really good game against Colorado. So Where, that's my first helmet. It, I, like, was he? Did he just get good? What happened? No, exactly? he, was a, he was a very good linebacker in New Jersey. Okay. Um, he had a knee injury at the end of his senior year that basically carried over into the start of his career at Nebraska. Uh, and then, you know, the previous staff, especially last year and especially in 2021, you're trying to win as many games as you can. You're not exactly in, like, development, see what these yeah. guys can do mode. And so you're behind Luke Reimer. You're behind, and I think this defense, this three three five, was sort of. And and Tony White said this: he could play all three spots, so they can put him anywhere on their on their second level. There's more opportunity. They're rotating these guys in. All of a sudden, here's a guy that can tackle in space, can run in space, can blitz, can cover. Oh my goodness! Should we put him on the field? Like I don't know how. If this guy, by pra- the way, give him a third because okay, we're going all the way around the way. here. If this guy practices anything like he's played the last two weeks, how are they not talking about him all spring and summer? That's what I just don't understand. Well, like, I he, think they're that deep at linebacker. He, I, I know, but man, he popped off the screen, and I had no dang idea who he was, <laughs> yeah. and I kept going to the mystery guy who kept popping off the screen because he, he looked so good. It's either the Max Preps or the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of New Jersey too. The year in Nebraska. Recruited him. I mean, he was really well thought of as a linebacker, as a high school. Player. Isn't it interesting when a staff recruits someone, they get them, and credit to Scott Frost's staff for bringing them in, but the new system is actually a much better fit for them yeah. than the old system. It well, sounds I, like you're saying that's what happened here, obviously. Feels like we might be saying that about a few more helmet stickers <laughs> as we go around. Well, how often did that happen, though? Just the way the previous defense was designed, that you weren't getting a lot of guys onto well, the field. And I know that helps right now with, with development especially because guys are getting snaps. But previously it seemed like if you were behind somebody, unless that guy really got hurt or the defense was just suddenly out there for 30 minutes in the game, like <laughs> through three well, yeah, quarters, you, you didn't see guys. You weren't taking Garrett Nelson out last year, right? right? I mean, you just weren't. You weren't taking you Luke Reimer out when he yeah. was available. Yeah, yeah. But, but again... That's one of the interesting things about being on a defense that literally, I counted them, plays 22 guys, <laughs> plays 22 guys. That's not an exaggeration. I counted them, 22 guys regularly. Yeah. So the the thing that Tony White said this week that I thought 
really, I think, should resonate with recruits, should resonate with players on the team, should make fans fired up. He basically said, all they have to do is flash and show me something, and then I'll put them out there. And if they do it in the game, they're going to keep going out there. And so, you know, like that is music to the ears of players who get so tired of hearing, oh, you got to work on this or you got to do that. And it's like, but I did this and I made a great play here. And it's like, he's going to give you that opportunity. Bradley Van Poppel, great week of practice, gets a half sack in his first college football experience. I mean, stuff like that. Yeah, all over, all over that, and that's why, doggone it, it is so hard to watch this team without a roster by your side. Still, Mike, I don't know that I'm going to still need. We're going to get to the Iowa game on Black Friday. I'm still going to have this stinking roster. <laughs> the way this defense plays and the way they changed up numbers and 22 guys every time. It's a different group of guys. What we need to do is Caleb and I need to just start a separate text chain without you, and then we just each predict a player that we think that you're going to claim that you've never heard of because he has a play <laughs> I guess I need in the upcoming game. Mystery and man of the if week. If we hit it, like we win. You know? I guess it's. I should ask you now while you're here, is there any other secret superstar on the team that I've never heard of? <laughs> I don't know that guy bears a superstar. He's a, well, I don't uh, know. He looked pretty good. He, le- <laughs> he leads the helmet sticker leaderboard. Yeah. That's enough for me. Uh, I think there's some guys in the secondary that they like quite a bit. All right. Look, you're going to have listen. to start working on your pronunciation of Sincere Safuya. Okay. Thank you. That, I, that's another one that thank, thank you to the staff over in the Husker Athletic Department for having them go through and just pronounce their names and put that in the roster. That's a good point. On, There's on, a lot the of hard ones there. this year. Well, all the way back to you, Mike. <laughs> all right. Um, I, don't, I don't know that this will garner all three, but he had a nice game as his first. First time playing in the 2023 season, Nick Henrich comes away with a couple sacks. Oh. It was good to see this staff, again, found a way to utilize him that the previous staff did not. I think he had more sacks in his one appearance in 2023 than he had in his entire career coming in. And what do you hear? You hear that he is a good blitzing linebacker. They like his instincts in those situations. You know who never got home and never really blitzed? And when he did, it felt like he was coming from Raymond. Yeah. Playing, you know, Memorial Stadium because the previous staff loved those blitzes yep. that came 15 yards away. <laughs> uh, Nick Hendrich, what a game. You yeah. know, coming back from injury, I really didn't think he was going to play much because I didn't think Colorado's style fit him. Turns out they had a role for him and he executed it. Being a linebacker looks fun on this team. Oh. <laughs> Being a defensive player looks it, fun it on this really team. It really does. I mean, they and- talk about hitting in practice, they talk about like, you know, they have to break down and play in space. Like, they are so much better in areas yes. that previously they it felt like they were just utterly inept. I know. It gets buried in this season, yeah. but they are so much better well, the, at some of these things. And yeah. and then you got, got – and Huttmacher does these things you don't even notice, too, where he keep, opens it up for these linebackers. Yeah. Well, that's – so when we talk about the linebackers, one of the things we do have to mention, this defensive line, in addition to all of those sacks, they eat up so many of these linemen, it allows these guys mm-hmm. to just play hair on fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take one that – Real quick before that, you talk about how much fun it is to play linebacker. How much fun would it have been to see Ernest Hausman and Garrett Nelson playing oh. in this, with these linebackers right now, too? Yeah. Oh, my God. We might not have ever learned about Mystery Guy then, though. Mystery, Mystery Bear would have been. Uh... Mystery. Yeah. Mystery Bear. The, the defense has the Polar Bear and the Mystery Bear. <laughs> mystery. Uh, did you all. You didn't have Henrich, did you? No, no I'm, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, not going to okay, go Henrich. Okay, okay, I'm going to go. Okay, this is going to be a little bit of a weird one uh, because he had a drop that. But. Thomas Fedoni, and this isn't even about a touchdown or that pretty good catch that he had in garbage time. This is because 
on the side of a play, <laughs> on the top of my screen, I saw someone WWE body slam Travis Hunter during a play. And I said in the room, that who, whoever that is, I couldn't see who it was, whoever that is for body slamming Travis Hunter gets a helmet sticker. Borkerger did it too. I thought if Borkerger pushed him down, I for some reason thought I, I thought it was Billy Kemp, which it wasn't. <laughs> Which I thought was even more Did you think Billy Kemp doubled in size like he got a mushroom in Mario? Listen, Billy Kemp is Rey Mysterio. And Travis Hunter is little. I mean, who knows? Anyway. (laughs) Turns out it was Thomas Fedoni, and it was amazing. And again, Nebraska lost. I get it. You will not. There is no mutual exclusivity in my life for the just to put it out there. There is no mutual exclusivity about Nebraska losing to Colorado and me having disdain, public disdain for this team and this program going forward. I will. You can count on that. And I like to see him get body slammed. That's all. Thank you, Thomas Fedoni, for your service. My second helmet sticker is going to go to Cam Lenart. Two sacks on the game, and you you talk about guys just being able to put him down for. a second, yeah, that, 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 that's yeah. What we're I figured. Go so that's why I was going to let someone else bring him up. Yeah, it, it's that. That's one of those things that is you trying to see guys come in and get time. Where it's frustrating to see young guys maybe not get the opportunities on the offensive side of the ball. To see the young guys on the defensive side of the ball, and especially Cam here, take advantage of those opportunities. And at how many guys at 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 his age are getting two sacks in a Power Five game? It's, it, there's not a whole lot. I, I want Mike to talk about him, but I'll just say this. I, I rewatched the Minnesota game after the, the week between the two games um, and just watched the defense a little bit more closely. And I didn't notice Leonard a, ter- a ton during that game, but when I rewatched it a lot more closely, I said to a few people, I said, man, he is at some point pretty soon he's going to be really good and his future is really bright you could just he you you could tell watching that film on that game and he made a decent play at some point during the first quarter of that Colorado game and i t- i tweeted cam lenart's going to be really good at some point and then in the next 15 minutes he gets two sacks yeah. you were like oh didn't didn't <laughs> mean that like, immediately i didn't necessarily mean that in the next 10 minutes <laughs> uh but he was great mike I, I i'm curious like i know i know his name from recruiting i know all of that I don't know that I knew what Nebraska was getting with him. Yeah, though. you know, there's there's several interesting things here. We'll start with this. When he committed to Nebraska the first time, and I talked with Andrew Ivins, our director of uh, scouting at 24-7 Sports, Andrew had seen him probably a half dozen times because he played for IMG Academy, and there's a ton of players there. And he told me that the thing that he loved about Cam Lenhart was the intangibles. Like, this guy was voted as a captain. He was one of the the team favorites. I mean, everybody seemed to love him. He was constantly working. And he was someone that had played multiple positions for IMG. When they needed him to be a defensive tackle, he was a defensive tackle. When they needed an end, he was an end. When they needed a linebacker, he played linebacker. He was willing to do whatever they needed, whatever they wanted. Cam Lenhart committed to Nebraska in August. Eric Schneander ends up getting fired. Cam Lenhart decommits from Nebraska. Okay, so he was originally with the other staff. Okay. Nobody else came in for Cam Lenhart in the same way that Nebraska had previously. And so when Matt Rule got here and learned of him, watched the tape, wanted him immediately, went out, and Nebraska gets Cam Lenhart back. This guy could have been with any other team in the country, and he's now maybe their most exciting freshman on defense, which is actually saying something because there's a lot of exciting pieces <laughs> on defense. And so I I think it's a testament to kind of him. I think this is a guy that, you know, is a future black shirt, potential future captain of this football team. Um, I think the sky is the limit for him. And 
I'm super, super impressed that he's doing this. I He's such a tweener when you look at his build, but his motor is so strong, and it just feels like since he's gotten here, all anyone says is, man, all this guy does is just produce. Yeah. Every day at practice, you would have different people. You would hear about it, whether there was media availability or not. It's like, oh, man, this Cam Lenhart guy is going to be something. He's going to be something. He's going to be something. Then you see the spring game. He's pretty good. And you're like, well, it's Nebraska's offensive line. So what are we going to do with that? You right. know? Then he does it to Minnesota, and you're like, okay, it's going to be good. Do you think Colorado? He's going to be good. Uh, one of the things I just was, you mentioned this, and I was reading his scout that was written uh, back in, in January, which was the the position. Oh, he dominated at the Under Armour All-American yeah, Bowl. I forgot the, to say that. He absolutely dominated. But but uh, Andrew uh, Ivins, who you were talking about, he said he's a boomer bust pro- prospect in part just because of position ambiguity. Yep. Do you think he's in the right place now? Seems that way. I mean, yeah. so one of the things Ivins told me is you needed to have a coaching staff that could be creative with them, that wouldn't just put them in one spot and be like, okay, Okay, well, you're going to be this from now on. It seems like the well, one you found that. the perfect marriage. I, one of the things, and I, I don't want to just like drop lavish praise on Tony White and this defensive staff all the time, but one of the things that they're doing really well, you build depth by moving guys around and having them play in different spots. So when you don't have Ty Robinson for a half, it didn't even feel like it mattered. I know. Yeah. Because yeah. all of these guys have to play these different positions, mm-hmm. and they get good at it. And it, the, the other thing about just getting back to the defense too, and I'm I'm with you. Like you're zero and two, I get it. You right. know, yeah, <laughs> sometimes you hear but people talk about it. The, and it's like, oh wait. Just in terms of the uniqueness of this defense, the other thing about it I've noticed is that linebacker position, that 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 middle three level that you've got in the three three five. We talked about this a little bit. We talked about Javen Wright last week, but man, you have you can have two completely different types yeah. of linebackers fill every position. You have Jamari Quas- Butler, and you can have Luke Reimer. You have quasi-defensive backs. You can have quasi-defensive <laughs> yep. ends, and you can have Big Ten West run stoppers. You know, like uh, Henrich and Reimer. It, right. the The concept of it, and the reason it was created, is that it's hard for some schools to get a certain body type consistently, and this sort of allows you to recruit around that because you can mix and match different player profiles. It, it feels like that linebacker middle level is kind of this amorphous thing, based <laughs> on what you think. <laughs> Seriously, based on like what you think the matchup is going to be in that game situation of the team that you're I facing. I wish this you is the Caleb linebacker. Asset in that phrasing. What'd you say? Tony, do you consider your linebacker room to be somewhat amorphous in, in <laughs> how they are? I bet he would appreciate that question. Like, are you Morpheus? Amorphous. Amorphous. Shape-shifting. You know what I mean. Anyway. Caleb, Amphibious. I think you have one more. I do have one more. And I'm going to go with Nate Borkercher. I think he he's run really good routes. He blocked the shoe entirely off of Travis Hunter. <laughs> we have two helmet stickers based on people beating up on Travis Hunter. And That's I don't. And it, well, and, and Fox tried the to make the it, offense was getting one. Fox tried to make it a highlight and Porkerter. The other reason that he's getting it is the fact that he and his mom have to put up with Gus Johnson mispronouncing his name <laughs> every freaking time he's on the field. To uh, the point at one at one point, like what was the, he the, saying? I don't even notice he's Bo Richter, okay. which is which there was a Kansas Mark City, Bo Richter, yeah, Mark Bo Richter, Hastings for, College, for Hastings to the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. That's what people assume it is. Yeah. So to the point where later in the game, Gus Johnson just goes and he's got his tight end. Yes. No name. 
No name at all. Just stop pronouncing it. I could go... Borkercher. Helmet sticker. A long time without ever hearing Gus and Joel Klatt do a game, particularly a Colorado game, ever again in my life. I will say this, though. For for Joel Klatt, yes, it was at Colorado, so that was itself annoying. But at one point... Gus Johnson is like, yeah, you got it, got it to to Bo Richter and Joel Klatt, Borkercher, <laughs> like slowed down the pronunciation yeah. on the air. I have heard those two do this shtick, this same shtick, multiple times in two games, where uh, where the TCU game before and then this one, where one of them will say, "Is that this is the greatest story?" In college football, which is Deion Sanders leading the Colorado, and the other one will correct them. It's like they rehearse this. The other one will correct them and be like, "No, it's the greatest story in sports." <laughs> so gross. I mean, it is the biggest story in sports right now, though. It is. Like, I, I like. I don't. How do I phrase this? I like it because I like there to be villains in sports. Agree. I like to have things for people to get like. Emotionally oh. upset over and everything in sport like that's to me that's part of sports. It. I'm gonna watch it. Um, you got oh that. yeah, it's eminently watchable. And I, I mean, I don't have a strong opinion on Gus Johnson one way or the other. I think Joel I Klatt's. Do. I think Joel Klatt's the best color analyst yep. in college football. He was annoying as all get last <laughs> week. I could not handle it. All right, seven twenty-five. More Friday Husker tailgate coming up next on KLIN. the Husker. Your home for Husker football is 1499.3. Presented on KLIN by Liberty First Credit Union. Five topics to get you going for game day. It's a special Friday edition of the Morning Drive on the Friday Husker Tailgate. And the Morning Drive every day. Fridays or otherwise is brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. Thank you for sponsoring the segment that gets people updated on the five things they're going to be talking about today. And the five things you're going to be talking about this Husker Friday. Well, let's get into it right now, starting with number five. Not many thought Nebraska would exit the first two weekends of the season at 0-2, but now they return home for three straight in Memorial Stadium. Now that you've got a better idea of who Nebraska is and who some of their opponents are, how much have your predictions about the season changed? Caleb, you kind of asked me this question earlier, uh, so I'll let you guys answer it, but some things are worse, some things are better. I expected them to come out of this one-on-one. We're going to get later in terms of what the Big Ten is. There's some of the Big Ten that isn't as strong, or at least appears not to be as strong as I thought they were, so... I mean, I was between six and six and seven and five the whole time. I think I'm pretty. I think I'm kind of still at six and six. I think that's still definitely possible. I would not be completely giving up hopes on that whole thing. But I'm not at a completely. I definitely am not at a completely different level than I was two weeks ago on what my overall expectations for the season are. I know some people are. I know some people are freaking out at this point, though. I don't know. How about you guys? I, I, I was between 5-7 and seven and 6-6. Six and six. I, I expected the offense to have some struggles just because we knew that there wasn't really a, a home run playmaker, and we'd seen what the offensive line issues had been in the past, so you, you had those questions. Did not expect the, the lack of being able to move the ball at all, and then these turnover issues, so that gives me concern. To me, that makes it seem like there are a couple of games later down the road that are going to be much more difficult, even if I had them slotted in as a win. So even though I was in the five and seven, six and six range, I think there's somewhere in there that that two and ten and three and nine are are much more 
possible right now in my head than they were two weeks ago. Huh. How about you? Are you opening up that possibility? We're talking uh, about a, yeah, ga- I think kind of a gaudy loss number. I think two and ten, three and nine is definitely a possibility. I don't think it's the likelihood. Um, I still think Nebraska can get to six and six. I was at seven and five. I think uh, was where I landed before the season. I still think six and six is possible. Obviously, they have to go six and four the rest of the way to to get there. But you look at the schedule. I mean, I think the the critical month one they got to get through these next two weeks at right. home. You got to you got to finish two and one in this three game. That stretch. could change my mind. And then the you're, you know, if you're two and three going into that game against Illinois, then all of a sudden October becomes this month where Nebraska theoretically could sweep it. They could go one and two. They could go two and one. But they have to at worst go two and one uh, to give themselves a chance at a bowl. If you don't have it memorized, Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, back back to back weeks at home, third week in a row at home when Michigan comes in and you get another stout test at that point, the game could be, I don't know, it could be it could be fun if Nebraska <laughs> wins a couple of them and goes in. Most people thinking, all right, this is going to be, and it won't be fun if they lose by 30, though. Uh, then at <laughs> Illinois on that Friday night, then Northwestern and Purdue at home. That's what Mike's alluding to. At Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue. If you, like you said, if Nebraska takes care of business the next two weeks, and that's an if, that's not a sure thing, but if they do, they're two and three with those three going ahead, right? And. You get two two of them, you're still treading water you're in that four chance. And four. You're, you're four you're, and four you're, with Michigan State, Maryland, yeah. Wisconsin, and Iowa. You're, and I got to be honest, all of those are winnable and all of those are losable. I mean, that's a, the, the sort of thing about this is I look at Nebraska's schedule, there's three games where I expect them to win. And then they're, the rest is pretty much toss up. Yeah, you're right. For Michigan. Like Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, Northwestern, you expect. Those are to me expectations. You expect them to, to win. win. Michigan, you expect them to lose. Yep. And then after that, yep. So every, then you're every you're three and three. One, you're exactly three and three with six toss ups. Well, that sounds very stressful. <laughs> we'll get more, more. We'll get into more details about the, about the Big Ten oh, a little hey, bit later. Well, welcome to Nebraska. Jeez. <laughs> Number four. Well, if quarterback Jeff Sims is not able to, or whether or not they just make the decision to not play him this weekend, let's discuss replacements. Heinrich Harburg, Chubba Purdy. Who do you expect to see in that scenario? What are the relative strengths? And weaknesses of each, what do you guys expect to happen on Saturday? I think you guys already sort of answered this earlier. You both said you thought it would be Harburg. But, Caleb, I want to go to you specifically. I think you've got um, some really good familiarity with Heinrich Harburg. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that that Harburg brings is I would say he's a top 10 athlete on the team, regardless of position, in terms of just being a a pure athlete, how fast he is as well. He's got a, a cannon for an arm. I don't know how well he can read defenses. I don't. I know he's had accuracy issues. I don't know even with it being his uh, what third year in college and now this new offensive system. How well he knows the playbook. So like, there's a lot of unknown parts in there. But if it's just between Harburg and Purdy, I know Harburg has the legs, and I know from what we saw in the fourth quarter on Saturday, compared to when we have seen Chubba Purdy. Harburg did not look afraid to be on the field. And that, that's a that's a big thing out there compared to when we saw Purdy get in last year and, yeah, he had to run in for, for one play this last week. Harburg's going to compete. Like, like there, there are just a few things that you know you're going to get guaranteed. I don't know if that necessarily means ultimately your turnovers are lower because he's going to struggle with a little bit of accuracy. But if you put someone on a go route, he's not going to underthrow him. 
Like he he might overthrow him by ten yards, but but I think this offense sets up well. If you're going to lean a little bit into the run game, that Harburg can do all of those things that Jeff Sims was doing. Mike, thoughts on Heinrich Harburg? Yeah, I watched him uh, several times in high school. He was part of the 2021 class. Uh, really, really talented athlete. Uh, I think Caleb kind of put the scouting report pretty well. His tools are drool worthy. I mean, he's fast, and he's probably got the strongest arm on the team. Um, so he he's and he's also he's six foot four, six five, six five, two twenty. Yeah. I mean, he's. I'm not worried about him taking a hit. Uh, one of the things I like about it is okay if you want to move forward the quarterback run game and Jeff Sims does come back, you've got a guy behind him that can run that offense and and do it well too. So. I think it's a great opportunity in front of him if he's the guy getting the snaps against Northern Illinois. I'm not overly concerned that the offense takes too big of a step back, uh, and I, I think he's he's got really good athleticism. I would, I would let him carry the ball 15, 20 times if you need to. This Guys, week. he sounds kind of like Jeff Sims, <laughs> like a little. I mean, a little bit. Jeff Sims. How is he going to be different in the offense? Jeff, Jeff Sims, Sims was regarded as a far more advanced passer uh, out of high school than than Heinrich Harburg was. Okay, uh, so there's that. I. My and and we have Harburg. tape on Jeff Sims. Yeah. Like that that's the thing, is until Saturday, we had not uh, seen Harburg outside of a spring game. Right now I'm watching some highlights play on eighty uh, fourth Street at Lincoln Christian on the twenty four seven sports homepage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the one concern I have with Heinrich is I don't know that touch is a big part of his passing game. So, you know, there's there's guys that can drop it into the bread basket. He's like throwing it through the basket. Yeah. So uh that that will be Receivers who are already having issues catching balls as it is yeah. are going to have to prepare for hey. maybe maybe a little less touch and yeah, a little it, more. It's heater. just coming now, in like a rocket. There's a chance the ball could just get wedged into their like pads somehow. <laughs> so yeah. maybe maybe that'll help. But hey. you do know like how big relationships are with guys, guys that they've just spent a lot of time around. He's lived with Gabe Irvin. I think he still lives with Thomas Fedoni. Yeah, he and Thomas were close in the recruiting process. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, if he's the guy out there on Saturday, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they again. Run. again I know. I'm watching this. I'm been, I'm getting excited while I'm watching this high school highlights here. You should be excited. People should be excited to see Heinrich Harper. He was on a state runner-up uh, track team for Carney Catholic that I coached on a few years ago. He high, ran the hundred high jump, sprints, relay. Yeah, he could have done Look, pretty much every. Event. I wanted him to come do discus, and like you can only do so many right. events. That's the thing. And I said I need him to practice once a week, and I can get him to score at state. Yeah, Caleb was coaching over there at the time, so yes, he he had the opportunity to to do. Yeah, I, I think there are some people who have this the stereotypical. Oh, he's the Nebraska. He's he's the Nebraska small town quarterback. So he's. Uh, I mean, not a great athlete. Smashed all of Scott Ross records. Not, not, not yeah, a great athlete. Yeah, that's often forgot. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. Well, it, and, and one last thing, too. Like, cool moment. I mean, we can get really cynical about all these different things, but, you know, cool moment for for Carney, for, for the Harburg fam, for Absolutely. For and who knows what the rest of his career is like here, but starting in a night game in the coach's opener, um, at Memorial Stadium, and he stuck around. He stuck around through, uh, obviously, a big, what looked like was going to be a quarterback situation that he might might not have ever seen the top of. I mean, there were a lot of people thinking he was going to transfer. In well, and, and, and you think about from that same high school, and it's still a different situation, quarter uh, a scholarship versus a walk-on, but Matt Masker came in, went his whole career here, limited action, as you would expect from, from a walk-on, kind of just emergency stuff. A little bit on the the travel roster, 
But for that high school to have somebody come in and it's like, are, is Masker going to get in? Is Masker going to get in? That's a spider just fell from the ceiling. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was wondering what the heck just happened over here. Um, uh, but then to to go and get Harburg in there, get in a game, throw a touchdown pass, and now potentially be starting a night game in Memorial Stadium. It's special for that in Central Nebraska. Do you know he got offered by Harvard and Yale on back to back days? Smart in 2020. dude. Those Ivy teams. Uh, all right. Look, Lance Leipold offered him. <laughs> Lance Leipold has like two of the best quarterbacks yeah, in the country. Yeah, Leipold did. He's just hoarding them. Yeah. <laughs> he should be like trying to, to trade him. Yep. There was college trades. Jason <laughs> Bean. People would want Jason Bean. Moving on. Number three. Anthony Grant did not see the field in Boulder after his untimely fumble in Minneapolis. Do you think we'll see him this Saturday night? And is this inconsistent with continuing to play Jeff Sims after all of his turnovers? Number one, I think. I mean, Gabe Irvin fumbled last game, so I mean that's like technically that's not, Sims. Yeah, I put that on Sims. Irvin said it was his fault. Well, that's a good team. Yeah, yeah, good job, good job okay, for Irvin. Regardless, Irvin's going to probably sure. fumble at some point. Sure. Yeah. It, it, Grant doesn't even have a big history. I understand that Rule brought it up during fall camp that he was fumbling. I, if Rule could go back in time, I think he would. Re- Wish he never said that. But he was. It's not like he was putting on the ground like ball like on, cra- on the no, ground. No, like that's what's weird year. to me about. The so whole like, thing. it's not like it's a known long term issue with him. I get it. If it's if it's truly a situation, it's kind of like what you're saying about Sims. Like, if he truly is going to be a turnover machine out there, I don't know that he is. And so at this point, you are so interested, and it goes back to what you were saying too about the existing about about the existing running backs right now. Um, You've got to find one. You got to find one that's going to be able to make some plays yep. for you. And he has that capability. It's not always there. He's got other issues too. But it's hard. It's going to. I think. I think there's. I think there's some differing opinions on the coaching staff about him too. If I had to guess, reading I between the think lines, you are correct. I would love for there to be the the one two punch because they they both try to run through guys at times. I know there was a lot last year that made. Us made fans frustrated when you would see Anthony Grant running towards the sideline instead of just going forward because he also had highlights where he put his shoulder pads into guys' chests and just destroyed them. Like, that potential is there. I would love to see that one-two punch with him and Irvin both back there. And at times, Anthony Grant lined up at fullback and lead block and, and the different things you can do with that. And then you mix in Ramir Johnson. I think to doghouse him, uh, yeah, like Mike said, if Matt Rule could go back, you probably don't make those fall camp statements, and then you're probably able to play Anthony Grant against Colorado and not have to be like, well, he fumbled, I said he couldn't get on the field, and then he doesn't. I do think it's, although the quarterback position just operates differently, it does present some accountability inconsistencies when you have the, the quarterback position that has been so fruitful in the turnover area where it's one a quarter while he's been on the field. And and that that to me is the the issue that you haven't had a guy like if you can't put a guy out there who can just catch the snap, something's obviously going on mentally with with being on the field that he's trying to press or he's trying to put too much pressure on himself. I don't know what it is, but there's something going on that he's not able to be locked in on the moment. And I think it would have been good for him to just watch a series from the sideline. We we saw it we saw it last year. 
I think in a very poor moment yeah. for, for Mickey Joseph to pull Casey Thompson and put Chubba Purdy in on his own goal line. But you still, I think you can still have this coaching staff say, hey, you're not benched. I need you to see it from over here for a second, and we're going to get through a drive. But also that makes me fearful that the coaching staff doesn't trust the rest of the coach of, of the quarterback room. And we'll see some of that on Saturday. I think you hit on the key thing there. The reason I don't view these as the same is that they feel that the running backs are largely interchangeable and they think that Jeff Sims is significantly above where the rest of the quarterback room is. Hmm. But what you get if Heinrich Harburg plays this week is the opportunity to see that maybe the gap shrinks when the lights come on. Maybe there's... maybe. You know, and some guys don't always show it in practice, but they can be great players in games, and maybe you get that. And yeah. maybe then when that happens, it's going to be easier to go to Heinrich Harburg if, if Jeff Sims comes back and continues to turn it over. I was so much the opposite in my college career. Practice All-American. The- Tony White talked about that. I wish you had that clip that you could yeah. be like, Some guys are great in practice. You put them out there, and they cannot do it. Real quick, the other thing I would say on the Sims thing, and if it's if – it's- if it's an injury, I mean, the answer's going to come here for, you know, this week. But I, I, there, there continues to be this, this at least, thought, and some people are saying is, well, look, Sims is still just a, a better, you know, better overall talent, higher ceiling, however you want to say it, than, than who's at the backup. But there is a point you reach, guys, when you're at four turnovers a game, if that continues, that that doesn't matter. Sure. That the only thing that matters... It's stopping the bleeding of turnovers. And that's why this weekend's huge, because you're actually going to get Heinrich Harburg on the field in critical situations. Yeah. I mean, last week didn't mean anything to me, personally. It probably yeah. meant everything to him. Right. But you're going to get that. If if Harburg starts, you're going to have more data to work off of to know whether, you know, if Jeff Sims continues to struggle, you have something else to go to. Yeah. And that's not just for this year because of the eligibility. No. That That's that's next year as well. You are able to get these guys on tape and, in game situations. And if, it, you know, if Harburg is a competitive, motivated person, this is, I mean. What this, if he just comes in and takes the job? This is a, this is a moment. I mean, yeah. he has got to have. This is what you dream of, right? Right. This but is the moment that he came here for. Exactly. The key for him is to make sure that you don't make it so much about you and you rely on what is around you. Yes. I mean, that's that's the important thing. I mean, we're so desperate for Nebraska to have anything on offense. We want someone to be a star. He doesn't need to be a star. That's Just true. Get the Again, ball out. Like Take I said, the plays in front of you. Stop the bleeding of turnovers. <laughs> that's job one for the quarterback. <laughs> and that's a bad place to be in, but that's a reality. Right. Job one right now is stop the bleeding of turnovers. And if that means you get you got to bring Buscini out there and punt a bunch, at least to flip the field, then that, so be it. Talk about at someone who's, who's probably thinking he's got to have a good game. Yeah. 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 No NFTs for him this week. No helmet stickers. <laughs> Number two. Nebraska leading the nation in sacks right now. This after a summer when many of us lamented the lack of experience on the defensive not line. Ha- asterisk, not Mike. I, sa- I said many of us, not all of us. I wrote it, so I'm taking... I'm I'm, uh, I'm Gabe Irvining this situation. I read it. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and concerned that the defensive scheme and personnel may struggle to pressure the quarterback because they hadn't in recent years. Given that it's only between two games, do you think it's kind of consistent? Do you think this kind of consistent pressure continues? Um, I'll be curious what you guys think. I mean, my thought is Colorado is a special situation because, A, the offensive line is terrible, and it's going to eventually get Shadur Sanders hurt this year, I, I think. Uh, number two, he also holds on to the ball. He, he, incredibly good quarterback, but I'm... 
pretty sure Sean Lewis is saying to him, dude, sometimes you got to get rid of that ball at this well, point. Well, when they really started to hurt Nebraska in the second half, it was on some of those quick throws, yeah. Yeah. quick screens and stuff like that. That's that's when they're at their best. Yep. That's And I'm surprised they didn't do a better job with that in the first half. That's what, that's what I was most afraid of with that yep. team. Yeah, yeah. Part of this is Colorado's going to get sacked a bunch of times Co- this year. But that's and, and and you go back to the first game because it's not all just from the second game. Minnesota had a whole bunch of inexperience in their middle three on their offensive line. The the, the middle of that, and that's where Nebraska was able to finally get a little bit of pressure was coming right up the middle. So you've gone two games where they had some offensive line issues. I think Minnesota's going to get that worked out a lot quicker than Colorado yeah. is. But for Nebraska, still. You have to be able to take advantage of that. Nebraska's gone against weak offensive lines in the past over the last several years and not gotten all the pressure that they should have been getting. Um, I, all of that said, and I, I think we're all kind of in agreement that they were in a bit of a special situation. That said, there's no reason over the next two weeks for sure they shouldn't be able to continue to, continue to pile up some yeah, pin your ears back in terms of sacks. If you get Northern Illinois in 3rd and 13 somehow, um, <laughs> there should be one thought and one thought only. I mean, man, you saw how much on that one play that I still think is an underrated turning point of the game when Tommy Hill got burned by Colorado on that deep one. Did you see what Tony White sent on that play? <laughs> Who, who's underrating that? That's a critical moment. Or maybe seven. Maybe not. I, I. It was a huge. Yeah, to me, that was the play of the game. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I just misinterpreted. Regardless, we're in yeah. agreement. It was. Yeah, yeah it's that, huge, huge, yeah, huge. Third play. down play. It looked like Nebraska was about to keep momentum, and I thought Tommy Hill fell down, but. What I'm referring to is what the way Tony White sold out. Like, he had all those guys up on the line. I was like, two or three of those guys are going to drop back for sure, aren't yeah. they? Nope. Not a one of them. Um, and, again, credit to Sanders. Credit to the receiver. They, they Like Mike was saying earlier, they made the play when they had to. My friends claim he dropped that ball. Oh, they really? didn't finish the catch all the way to the ground. Uh, he probably got, probably got the call from the ref. They, oh. they love Colorado. I, I want to say this real quickly. One of the things that doesn't get mentioned when we talk about Nebraska's pressure, some of this allows, or some of this becomes, uh, because they've been able to stop the run in these first yes. two games. Great point. I mean, you, you don't have to worry about teams running on you when you take that away that you can sort of pin your ears back. And so I, I think... You know, not just the the sacks. The sacks are kind of the gaudy thing that stand out. What I really like is how well they've taken two teams completely out of. And Colorado tried to run it. Yeah. To their credit, they wanted to establish the run, and Nebraska took it away from them. So, I think that's really good. And then the other thing I love, you've got a lot of guys whose trajectory is just up. This isn't. These aren't vets that you yes. steady. You know what you're going to get. You know, crafty. Eddie Harris, outside of types, Henrich like, and Reimer, yeah. really none of them are. These are all guys that are getting really their first dose of a lot of playing time, and they're taking advantage of it. All right, we got to finish up because the music stopped. So let's finish things up. And by, bottom line is, I think, yeah, I, I think I'm with all of you. I don't know that they're going to lead the nation in sacks, but it's going to be a huge strength of this team going forward. Is that pass absolutely rush. number one? We'll get into the details about Northern Illinois and opposition disposition this next hour. But this is a team that's beaten a Power Five team and lost to an FCS team. Also, a team that has come in and been beaten badly by Nebraska, as well as upset Nebraska in Lincoln. Who are they? Who do we think they are? 
What team is showing up tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know. Unlike Dennis Green, I do not know what they are. Yeah, right. So um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird program because they actually dominated the MAC for about a decade. For a while back there, they were producing NFL players like Jerry Michael Kill, Turner. Dave Duran. Yeah, they were they were incredible. They went through a co- couple of coaching changes. Uh, Hammock came in and had a, a decent year, then had a bad year. Well, they won the and MAC two so, years ago. I yeah, think. they had a decent yeah. year then. Then last year was a little rough. Uh, we saw him play. He, we came in. He came in and played against Scott Frost. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, so forty-four to eight. It'll be interesting. I don't think Boston College is great. I think Southern Illinois is a pretty decent FCS team too. And so never lose to the Salukis. Okay. Come on. I got it. I can't ask Caleb about intra-Illinois college sports. <laughs> he gets too fired up. So <laughs> get out of here, Carbondale. Listen, it's a game Nebraska should win. Yeah, you know, I mean, we always talk about directional Michigan. There's a lot of directional Illinois too. People forget <laughs> Illinois as a whole is pretty directional. All right, we're going to take a break right now. That's it for your morning drive. It's brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. If you come across anything that slows you down, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. Keeping you moving with Time Saver Traffic, I'm Chris Lofgren. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. Guys, this is definitely not a topic I should bring up with two minutes left in the show, and we're not going to get well into it, but uh, Michigan State, holy cow. Mel Tucker's not going to be coaching at Michigan State this weekend. Uh, Incredibly unlikely that he ever coaches there again, although technically he has not been fired. Uh, Mike, here we go again in the the Big Ten. and In a season where we thought maybe this was not going to be one with much turnover in the Big Ten... Here we are, not even to October. Hey, look, another spots. Big Ten team goes out of its way to embarrass the conference. Yeah. Um, man, that, that's that's crazy in the middle of the season here at yeah. this point. And, you know, like I said, it's not really a great topic to delve into real extensively with just a minute left, but I did want to at least mention it. Interesting slate of games this weekend in the in the Big Ten. It's not a great overall week in college football, but there's a few sort of like uh, nowhere-to-place teams in the Big Ten games going on. There is a conference game, Penn State at Illinois. Uh, you got Louisville at Indiana. Maybe maybe Indiana is a little – maybe Indiana is one of the few Big Ten teams that is actually better than we thought going into, going into this. Tom Allen? See. Maybe. Maybe. I just want to respect him. Uh, you've got uh, <laughs> Wisconsin playing Georgia Southern. Watch out for Georgia Southern coming in. Uh, Minnesota at North Carolina. That's a weird game. Uh, Northwestern at Duke. Duke looking good. Northwestern got a win at home. Uh, Western Michigan is at Iowa. Oh, that screams twenty to six. Uh, Virginia Tech at Rutgers. Western Just lost to Purdue. Yeah, Virginia Tech and and uh, Rutgers a big favorite in that game. Yeah, it's foreshadowing. Western Kentucky at Ohio State. Washington at the the aforementioned Michigan State. A heck of a week for that to happen. Too. With Washington come in, uh, Bowling Green at Michigan, and then Syracuse at Purdue, which was sneaky, one of the best, most fun games of the year last year. So that's what we've got coming up on the Big Ten menu, which is actually a pretty good menu for an overall not great week in college football. All right, it's 7.58. Take a break. Next hour next on KLIN. Listen to the Friday Husker out the region. If you come across anything that gets in your way, call the traffic hotline, 402-479-1414. Keep me moving with Time Saver Traffic. I'm Chris Lofgren. Boca like the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Quick to tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? 
job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit, dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. First, Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. Are we violating some sort of like uh, rules of propriety of of uh, playing Hail Varsity by having Mariah break in and interrupt it? Is that like is that like don't let a flag touch the ground type situation? Can we get can we get Mariah to sing Hail Varsity? Oh yeah. <laughs> Could <laughs> that's what I want at Memorial Stadium, man? That I had never thought about that uh, in my life. Why would I have? But now I'm very interested in what that would sound and like. As we just got asked during the break by from our, our friends over on B1073, how often do you guys think of the Roman Empire? It's like I haven't thought of Mariah singing Hail Varsity enough yet, but now I plan to. <laughs> uh, anyway, the reason you heard her is because it's Fantasy Huskers, where we give away every week a hundred dollars to Alumni Hall and Valentinos. Well, combined fifty to each, but that's still a lot. Uh, <laughs> and you have a chance to win that if you get a pick for Fantasy Huskers, and you are the closest to what we're asking you to pick. So the process is: you text us in the keyword. Uh, at 6.35 and 8.10, we pick one of the people who text in the keyword every time we do it, and we award them a pick. This week, the pick is going to be when does Nebraska score its first points against Northern Illinois. And so the keyword right now to text in to potentially get that pick is... Suits. Suits, as in... Use it in a sentence, please. Kevin Suits wears many suits. You know, I lost a spelling bee in third grade... <laughs> In South Dakota, because the word was fourth, and the sentence I got was, please come forth in line to receive your cookie. And I'm feeling a whole lot of PTSD right now because <laughs> of what you're doing. F-O-R-T-H? I put the U in it, which would have also worked. Why? Please come forth. Please come forth to receive your cookie. That doesn't... Because they were asking him were... to come forth in line but to that, receive That's this. parsing, that, like they're that, cutting words out there. That's not even a... Please, I don't know that it's grammatically Please come correct. forth to receive your cookie. There's three kids there, and I get to be last, as usual. F-O-U-R-T-H. There still be a... That's I, a bad sentence. It is a bad sentence. I don't know that it's a grammatically correct sentence. Yeah, well, they didn't care in South Dakota. Uh, anyway. we're, we're talking about our friend at 10-11. Suits. S-J-U... T-S. There you go. S-J, capital S. Thank you. Mike gave me a fist bump. S-J-U-T-S. It was an actually a difficult word for you. And I, but, I mean, I've seen it a gazillion times. Yeah. All the times are the it's been on the screen. I mean, he's a giant celebrity. How can you get away from him? <laughs> do you know what I had to do to get him on the show? Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, by the way, the giant celebrity will be joining us in 20 minutes. It's very exciting. TV guy in the room. I always feel so... I don't know, sloppy when TV guys come in. Well, it's because they're, they're sharply dressed. Oh, they look, they look so good. hair always looks, you know, pretty <laughs> They good. look so good all the time. I hate it. <laughs> and now we're going to be on video with him. He's going to pop off the dang screen on the Facebook feed. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be me. I don't even have makeup on at this point, and I'm concerned. I'm sure he'll come in with makeup. Do you think he comes in with eyeliner? <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, yes. No, we uh, are very excited that Kevin Suits is going to be uh, joining us in the last half hour of the show uh, when he's in town and uh, getting a little of his input, too. So that's why we bumped up operation or uh, opposition disposition a little bit. So with that said... Do you know your foe? Well, we'll introduce you, but we can't guarantee you'll get along. It's the Friday Husker Tailgates Opposition Disposition on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIF. Enemy. I take North. You know what? Let's do a Shador Sanders thing. Whenever Northern Illinois comes in here, it's personal. Okay? They came in here and they disrespected Mike Riley. Okay? And we will not stand for that. We will not stand for Mike Riley being disrespected personally right here. Do you. I- if anybody wears red, Northern Illinois red, that is, it's going to be off in the facility. Do we think they're going to like break up their first team huddle on Saturday screaming for Eichhorst? <laughs> they got big, all the big screens. All the big screens. For Sean! Uh, yeah, if, if, that game, if Northern Illinois doesn't come in and disrespect Sean Eichhorst, he may still be here. Right? I, I can't imagine. If, if Sean Eichhorst respected Black Friday, he might still If be that's there. not in the in, in the uh, athletic department produced pump-up video before the game, a special <laughs> speech from Sean Eichhorst, a special message from the team to the team from uh, Eichhorst, I don't know what they're even doing here at this point. But, man, I can't stand Northern Illinois. Oh, boy. It's, I think about it constantly. Anyway, I don't really feel that way. If you're here from DeKalb, welcome. I hope you enjoy our city. <laughs> Please spend lots of money. Um, Northern Illinois lost to Boston College to start out the year, and then they beat, beat Boston, beat Boston College. College. Thanks Sorry. for the live fact check. I always appreciate that. <laughs> they beat Boston College to start off the year, and then they lost to Southern Illinois. That was on the road, by the way, against Boston College. Uh, as Mike said a couple years ago, they won the MAC. They had a rough year last year. They've been a very good program at times. They've been kind of up and down at times. Here's what I can tell you about them right now, and it's only two games in at this point, but you look at their statistical rankings at this point and try and figure out what they're good at and where they may not be great here at this point. Uh, They are uh, number, uh, when you get to total offense, okay, when you get to total offense, uh, we'll start with scoring offense here. Scoring offense, they are 115th in the nation. You get to total offense, they are 93rd in the nation. Rushing offense, uh, they are at, well, red zone Red zone offense, they're doing very well at. Actually, they're tied because they've scored uh, every time they've been in the red zone. It hasn't been a lot of times, but their percentage is perfect right now. They also are doing okay on the defensive end, getting sacks, 28 sacks this year. Matt Rule said it might be one of the best defensive lines that the team's gone against, the, the team's gone against this year. So it sounds like, based on the little bit that we do know about Northern Illinois, what you're seeing with their numbers, that they're probably a defense, their defense is probably the strong point of their team. Which, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, it's the way both coordinators described them up front. They're going to be tough. They expect uh, they expect us to be a kind of a veteran group that comes in that has no real concern about the crowd noise and no real concern about either of Nebraska's trenches either. They they expect them to come out here and play hard. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. This isn't going to be. I mean, they're going and playing these games every year, right? Yeah. Every, every single year they're going to uh, going in there. So it's not like the old days when you got a team that just doesn't have this kind of game. This is nothing crazy. They've got a coach that's been there now for for a few years in Hammock. He's a former player there uh, for Northern Illinois as well. If you take a look at um, you take a look at some of the the numbers for them, they actually have an Iowa transfer running back. Did you guys know that? Got an Iowa transfer uh, at one of their running backs, not necessarily the guy who's taking the most of their snaps. His name is Gavin Williams. He's got 17 rush attempts. Their main back is Antonio Brown, not the wide receiver who walked off the field with a shirt off. That's a different guy. Uh, he's got 38 attempts for 112 yards, so they're not really gashing anybody through the ground. The other thing, Mike, you talk about them being experienced in this kind of situation. Their quarterback is experienced as crap um including we know him we've seen him including playing in memorial stadium which i still claim this has to be a record in between starts at memorial stadium rocky lombardi is their quarterback he used to be the michigan state quarterback also maybe the best name in football history by the way if you were creating uh, out of the you know at birth the perfect football robot. This is a creative player name yeah it's a creative player name rocky lombardi but nonetheless he was the michigan state quarterback because of COVID, because of a whole bunch of other things, he started. Uh, he's had a long career that's ended up at Northern Illinois. He started a game in Memorial Stadium in 2018. In 2018, he started that snow game, the what nine to six game in Scott Frost's first year. Wait, wait, wait. So if you would have said in Scott Frost's first year, who will be in Memorial Stadium? For a game later in their career, and Rocky Lombardi was the answer. <laughs> that that's true. So my favorite part about this is that Ty Robinson took his official visit for the Michigan State game. Oh my god, <laughs> <In> twenty eighteen, <laughs> <laughs> and now he gets to line up against him in twenty twenty three. Who knew it was a Scott? I mean, legit. Scott Frost was still a brand new coach at Nebraska when Rocky Lombardi. I mean, Maurice Washington had a good game I, for Nebraska. I, it all just oh, kind of dawned on me because we're we're sitting here and we're talking about it, and it's like I need to go and find the snow photos of uh, Turner Corcoran and Ty Robinson. Right, uh, we're there on the sidelines for that game. Yeah, so Corcoran was there too. Yep. That's hilarious. Uh, anyway, he's, by the way, a text comes in from Eric and Lincoln. Rocky Lombardi is the Mojo Haggy of college football. Yes, he, yeah, yeah, yes, and there's a lot of them. I mean, to be honest, there are a lot of them because of the COVID year. Have you guys noticed this when you look at college football teams that are playing this year? You'll turn on a random game and their quarterback is a guy that you had no idea was yeah. playing for that team and uh, often has is, is, uh, been playing for, uh, you know, like JT Daniels is playing for uh, Rice at this point. I'm like, really? Throwing to Luke McCaffrey. Throwing to Luke McCaffrey. Got a couple of touchdowns last Throwing week. Throwing to actually. Nebraska, Louisville, Luke McCaffrey. It's, uh, it's something. Anyway, Lombardi this year is, uh, you know, again, only two games. Six, uh, 36 for 66 this year. Three picks, one touchdown. Uh, that's where he's at this year. They've actually had their own turnover problems this year this is not as a good well. Offense. Yeah, the offense is, has not been super solid, though. Uh, and then in in terms of defense, like like Mike said, like the coaches said, uh, so far the sacks really, or excuse me, the defense has been where it's at. They've got four different players with a single 
um, a single sack or 1.5 sacks. So we're not talking super gaudy there numbers either. But uh, end players especially. They got a guy named Roy Williams, not the former coach of Kansas and North Carolina, a different guy, or the football player from Texas, or the football player from Oklahoma. Uh, also, Rasheen Thomas. Uh, and George Gums, those are three guys on the defensive line that have been causing a little bit of havoc, and the Nebraska offensive line will have to deal with. All three of those have been uh, doing pretty good. So that's what we've got about Northern Illinois. I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to add here at this point? It's just it's just an opponent that, I mean, it's it, there's no longer, there, there are so few games anymore where you're like, yeah, yeah, I feel really, really good Nebraska's going to be able to handle this team. Because if you don't have offense, Anybody, anybody can win a 10-7 game, yep. basically. Well, that's or 9-6. to six, like Or 9-6, to six, as Rocky Lombardi showed us. <laughs> this feels like a good opportunity for the defense to go from making kind of the play that's, that's in front of you to maybe creating some breaks for the offense. You know, like if you can pressure Rocky Lombardi into another interception and return that, set up a short field for Heinrich Harburg. I mean, make it, you know, we talk about complimentary football. This defense has to be how Nebraska is going to win games. Then they're going to have to go out and and perform at a level that's higher than where they're at right now. I mean, as good as they played, we know they can play better than this because they have that ability. Yes, and the coaches think that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other thoughts, Caleb? From you, on I, this? I I want to see multiple turnovers forced by the defense. I I know I got to I want to see multiple turnovers and everyone went we've already seen multiple turnovers right. but I want to see the defense get multiple takeaways maybe score on something I want to see special teams give the offense a giant edge I know we saw Ramir Johnson start the second half at Minnesota and take the ball all the way across midfield I I want these two phases of the game because special teams didn't help out the offense or the defense in Boulder. The offense hasn't helped out anybody through two games. The defense has just kind of been sitting there going, when is the dam going to break to where we're in a bad position? I need the defense to put the offense in such good situations that they have to score, and I need the special teams to do that at least once during the game to where they've got a, a big return. Maybe they block a punt. Something has to happen in those two phases to help the offense get that confidence that they can go and score because they just haven't... It's not that they haven't done it enough through the first two games. They just haven't really done it. Yes. And I need them to do that against Northern Illinois. Build that going into another non-conference before you get back to the Big Ten. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, it'll be... Uh, the defense, the, I, I was listening to your podcast, Mike, uh, while I was walking my dog the other day on 24-7 podcast. You it is the about, number one podcast ta- for walking the dog or mowing the lawn. It definitely is. It's incredible to be in top. You guys were talking rankings. about the same thing. Uh, the one thing the Nebraska defense has done is not, I mean, they have two turnovers, right. but they haven't created Take just game-changing, yep. re- repeated game-changing turnovers, which is kind of odd when you're able to get that yeah. much pressure. You would think that would come part and parcel with that. And, you know, if you take him at his word, Tony White says that basically you can see on film where they're inches away from it and uh, that, you know, he's trying to really explain this is why we want you at this angle. This is why we want you in this step. This is why we need you in this spot. And so they they think that those are coming, uh, and I think the opponents will potentially help with that over the yeah. next few weeks. If guys, <laughs> yes, I found something thanks to a text that another started. spider. <laughs> no, um, Rocky Lombardi's birthday, July thirtieth, nineteen ninety eight. Okay, Garrett McGuire's birthday. Oh my gosh, February third, nineteen ninety nine. Just. 
Just well, numbers. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Uh, what I'm hearing is that Garrett McGuire could be the first player coach at Nebraska if he has any eligibility left. If he wanted to. Wide true. Or at least at Northern Illinois. That's true. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, yeah. So, again, their offense, Rocky Lombardi. Trayvon Rudolph is their best wide receiver. That main running back they're going to use is Antonio Brown in addition to the uh, the Iowa transfer. And then, uh, I don't think I mentioned this on def- probably their best defensive player is a safety, C.J. Brown, as well. Um, and so they got some they got some... They got some beef up there on the defensive line, and they got uh, probably a defensive back as their best player on defense in C.J. Brown. Now, Northern Illinois is a school. Uh, Caleb, I know, very interested in the Illinois university system. Having oh, yeah. Attended Give it to the me. Whole thing. In, uh, so apparently Northern Illinois was founded as part of the expansion of the normal school program that was established in normal Illinois. Did you know this? The state legislator cr- created a board of trustees for the governance of the Northern Illinois State Normal School which grew into NIU, but in 1917, the Illinois Senate consolidated the boards of trustees for all of those schools, Eastern Illinois State Normal School, Illinois State Normal School, Northern Illinois State Normal School, Southern Illinois State Normal University, and Western Illinois State Normal School into one big normal school board. And the amount that you have to say normal with all of those yes. things is be is just is bizarre. Abnormal at that Ooh. point. Yes, it's abnormal. <laughs> one one might say uh, a lot of like many universities, a lot of castle like buildings on the campus. Uh, the most prominent building is called Alt Guild Hall. It's one of five castle themed buildings built according to the suggestion of the governor John Peter Altgeld. Yes. Uh, the auditorium in Altgeld Hall, which was designed to also function as a ballroom, was restored and can seat up to 500 people. Why do you need to know that? I have no idea. Uh, I will tell you this, though. <laughs> By the way, they were ranked number 10. Do you remember 2003? They were ranked 10th in the AP poll after they beat Maryland and Alabama and Iowa State. Anybody remember that? Is that when they had Michael the Burner Turner, who ended up being the backup for Ladanian Tomlinson? I think perhaps? that could be, yeah. That might have been. Uh, What's weird is I think of more of the Jordan Lynch era, which was probably because he was a Heisman Jordan Lynch candidate. Too. candidate. Yeah, that's right. That, that was, was more later, 2012. Yeah. yeah, that was that, that was, was under Dave Dorn. I forgot about Jordan yeah. Lynch. That's right. Was they those... made Lynch pails. Yes, little was... uh, little lunch boxes that were you know Lynch pails that you you received as a Heisman voter. Was 03 the last year that up until Texas this year that Alabama lost a home non conference game? Uh, they said it last week, and now I can't remember. I, I know it was, it was some. It was some. It was 2007. It was oh, okay. Nick Saban's first year. Okay. Yeah. What a I world. don't remember who they lost to, but what a world. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then alums. Um, uh, you know, there's not there's not a ton of them, but I got a few that you know of. The voice of Homer Simpson, Dan Castellaneta, is a Northern Illinois no kidding. grad. Yeah, wow. it is. It is another one. You probably don't know the name, Cindy Morgan. You know her better as Lacey Underall in Caddyshack. She is a Northern <laughs> Illinois grad. And all of a sudden, now you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Matt Walsh, who played, if you watch the show Veep, he played Mike McClintock on not the show that Matt Walsh. Veep. Nope, not that oh, Matt Walsh. Cool. Nope. Robert Zemeckis, who is the director of Back to the Future and Forrest Gump and a ton of those 80s, 90s movies. He's a Northern Illinois guy. And uh, T.J. Simers of the L.A. Times, which I don't think a lot of people probably know um, if they're younger, but T.J. Simers and Woody Page were like the columnist enemies of Nebraska fans for a long time. T.J. Simers wrote something ripping Nebraska, I think, when they went to the 2001 Rose Bowl 
ahead of that. And he was a bad. You weren't supposed to mention his name in Nebraska for a while, mm. but yeah. the uh, the two thousand six two thousand seven Nebraska played USC, and I remember he had some line in there about uh, how all of Nebraska the the culinary expertise is rock soup <laughs> and things of that nature. Man, it's like these guys. for for a guy who had a pretty humble Midwestern beginnings to pretend like he's glitz and glamour of L.A. Can you imagine how how much of these old timey columnists, uh, Woody Page and and T.J. Simers and the like, when they were trolling Nebraska? Think of all the clicks and engagement they could have been getting money for. With yeah, their that. name's Sean Keeler now. They work for the Denver Post. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, personal. Uh, by the way, one more, one more alum of Northern Illinois. Nebraska's House Representative Don Bacon, Northern Illinois guy. It's true. Also gained a commission through the Air Force ROTC there as well. So that's your background on Northern Illinois. Glad you enjoyed it. That hall, again, if you missed it, seats 500 people. All right, it's 827. <laughs> if it's 827, we got Kevin Suits coming in next on KLIN. Nebraska football. 26 degrees. Slight chance for rain this evening with mostly cloudy skies. 55 the overnight low. 81 on Saturday. From the 1011 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Brad Anderson. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. Oh, my my dream of the all-star team assembling is finally coming to fruition. Regular Friday tailgate crew still here, of course. Nobody left. That'd be weird. Mike Schaefer, Caleb Henry, myself. But we've also joined, been joined by Kevin Suits. Ten, long time, 10-11. How long have you been at 10-11, Kevin? It feels like 80 years. Started in 05. Jeez. So I'm not in, on Ken oh Schimmick's status. I'm not, even, I'm not even the media dean in this room anymore. This is sad because uh, you. Were, I was 06. This is wow. my 20th year covering Nebraska football. My goodness. Look at that. What and it hasn't been a great 20 years either. Yeah, no kidding. Heck of a time to start, right? You just missed. Ugh, I you, started high school in 05. You just missed it. Well, glad. <laughs> Wait, glad, what? What? <laughs> Yeah, you didn't know that? I didn't realize there's that much of a difference between Caleb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there is. Two different types of millennials, I suppose. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Suits, good, good to... Uh, by the way, we were kind of talking about this at the beginning. I'm curious, what's your job? This is kind of an inside question. We'll get to football, but like, what's your day like? We, we have our days, obviously, and, well, I just sit home and watch the game, but Mike has his days, and Caleb has his days, and, and kind of what their responsibilities are. What's a TV guy's day like? Because it seems really busy and really difficult on, on football game day. On football game day, it's long. Yeah. So the quick answer is long. Usually about like a 14, 16-hour day. We typically try to get to the stadium about three hours before kickoff. And a lot of that is just to set all of our equipment up, get a lay of the land. Road games is tricky because every road uh, venue has the post game set up differently and where we can go on the field. So figuring that all out logistically, especially, you know, coming off of the Boulder trip last week, that was tough. And it was bizarre. I won't get into all the specifics there. But just from uh, to answer your question, Jack, it's get there about three hours ahead of time, set up the computer, make sure everything's working, all of our uh, connection points are are working, and then, you know, I'm I'm either on the sidelines running a camera for the game or I'm up on the seventh floor. And I have long said the best view in all of Memorial Stadium is in the crow's nest on the seventh floor of Memorial Stadium. I love to run the camera up there. You see everything. You can kind of take in some of Lincoln, not just the stadium. And plus, you can see the football really, really well. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I, I walk away from a game 
knowing what happens so much better when I'm up top than I'm on the field. Though when you're on the field, sometimes you are inches away from the head coach offering instruction to a player, uh, and you can interpret offering instruction whichever way you'd like. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you're right there in the thick of everything. And then after the game is done, then it's interviews and putting stories together, uh, and then sometimes waiting to go on for the 10 o'clock news. Well, that's what I wondered, watching a game through the lens of a camera. Like, how different of an experience is that just for you to take in everything and what's happened? Like, do you have a good perception, do you think, of... What happened when you watch it through a camera? Or do you have to rewatch it to, no, to really feel no. like it? No, because you're worried about like the video and the shot. Really? Oh yeah. God, so sounds... sometimes like there will be a great play, and you you get the shot after the touchdown. The, mm-hmm. the you know, and the receiver throws his arms up in the air and points to the student section. Right. And if you're like. I don't know, chin to head, and you can see the eyes bug out. You're like, oh, my goodness, that was amazing. But you have no idea how the play actually happened. (laughs) So you have to go back and watch it. Um, Again, so that's the varying experience of being on the field to being up top. That's interesting. So I try to mix it. What do you? Let's talk about this team. Um, The question that I pose to these guys, and I'll pose it to you here at the beginning, I think everyone agrees that turnovers are the biggest problem, the biggest issue. Obviously, there are other problems. But how big, how above everything else is that turnover problem, meaning how different does things do things look if you get that even just to like a normal level, like, I don't know, two a game instead of four a game? I don't think they're two and oh, but I think they're one and one. I mean, the Minnesota game is still such a bizarre situation. How did they really, how did they lose that game? Yeah, it just flipped so quickly. Uh, what's crazy, because you highlight the turnovers, Jack, if you look at Nebraska Inside the numbers, they're averaging more yards per play than their two opponents combined. They're averaging over five yards per play. So if you don't turn the ball over, you have points, and points have been challenging for this team through the first two games. So that's what gives you confidence that they're one and one, but they're likely not two and zero. Oh. And I think if if you're one and one, you go into Northern Illinois feeling totally different about this season because, and it was Colorado. You know, there were a lot of things at play that led to some of the discouragement that lies within the fan base right now. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw this out to everyone. Michael, I'll start with you. But, like, what do you guys think, if, if, if Matt Rule's sitting down saying, okay, I know what I've got here so far in this offense. We've seen two games of them. I may not have my normal quarterback. I, I may have Heinrich Harburg this week and maybe for two weeks. We'll see on that. We don't know for sure. But, Mike, how do you think he's now, Mike and, and I guess Satterfield as well, are saying, okay, this needs to be the identity of this offense going forward. We talked about this earlier. You mentioned quarterback run, but like how how much how do you work that in there? How do you balance in there? Or do you just say, hey, that's our best thing right now. We're gonna have to use that as a weapon. There's a part of me that almost wonders if you don't look at this as okay, you you may not have Jeff Sims. This is a great week to really kind of emphasize our running game, try to figure some things out there, maybe unlock some plays, build some stuff that we're gonna need to be able to use against future opponents. And really try to get Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson and Anthony Grant going, in addition to also utilizing, you know, Heinrich Harburg, if, if that's your guy on Saturday, and what I think is still probably the stronger point in his game, which is his legs. And so if, you know, I, I think you have to try to build to the future a little bit with, uh, Harburg, because you don't know how long you're going to need him, and you don't know if you're going to need him again, if, if he's your guy. So you, you obviously want to throw a little bit too, but more than anything, just, Try to find some rhythm in the running game. Try to find some rhythm with your offense. And then, and this is kind of critical, so much of what Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield have done previously is built on play action. You can't really run play action if two things are true. You're always trailing. makes it harder to run play action. 
Two, if you aren't effective running the ball in the first place, they're not going to worry about your play action. So if you can set up that run uh, you know, throughout this game early, you might be able to come back in the second quarter or the second half and then hit on a couple play action throws that should theoretically be there. Yeah. Because if you want to run RPO, if you want to run play action, there needs to be the threat of the run. And I just don't think Nebraska's ran the ball very well. Yeah. And, and whether or not it is play action and, and rolling out or in in shotgun and then just immediately getting out, I want them to move the pocket more because I think that presents the option, whether it's Heinrich Harburg or Jeff Sims, for the ability for them to take off with the football. Yeah. Hey, like w- When you've seen Sims stare down, uh, someone and in, in, in throw those interceptions against Minnesota. He was just back in the pocket forever, stared it down and threw it. He only had the, the one interception where he was outside of the pocket, and we all said before the play he was going to force this ball wherever he wanted. It didn't matter where he was at in the pocket or outside the tackle mm-hmm. box. And I So I think that's something that because you have to use the quarterback's legs, get them on the edge more. Shrink the field on what they have to deal with on their reading, and then give them the opportunity to just run the ball, even if it's three yards and slide. Or you get out there and you go, there's nothing here, I can't run, you throw it away. Eliminate some of the options that they have, some of the reads they have to make, while allowing them the possibility of using their legs better. Kevin, you've seen whatever weapons they've got close up. Do you think quarterback run is the best one to utilize? I mean, risks be darned with that whole thing? Absolutely. And Caleb, to your thought of like moving the pocket while I'm not in agreement, reading a defense while you're on the move makes it even harder. And then Jeff Sims has kind of showed shown some uh, signs of struggles of reading a defense. So I, I want to say yeah, but I also think no. And I think it's also concerning, mm-hmm. too, that no matter who we've talked through, talked to throughout the week, the praise for Northern Illinois lies on the defensive line. Yeah. Yep. So running the football and setting up play action, that should be the game plan going in. But if that's the strength of this opponent, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what what what's plan B? It feels like a good test, though, for what you're ultimately going to get every week in the That's Big Ten West. And so I, I think part of it is if you can try to establish the run here against Northern Illinois, it's going to give you confidence to do that against Illinois and against Michigan State and against these other teams you have on your schedule later in the year. But I, I, I definitely, to your point about um, rolling them out and making it harder to read with the defense, one thing that that does do is it kind of cuts the field in half. So you really only have to worry about one side of the field when you do that. And so um, I I can remember different opponents that have played Nebraska that would take away some of the strength of Bo Pelini's defense by cutting the field in half. Like Derek Carr came in here and threw for 400 yards on like three route concepts because they just took away one half of the field. And they're like, you're either throwing short, medium, or long. But – that's a guy who's playing in the NFL. I don't know Nebraska has that on their roster. And you also have to have receivers that can win in their routes yeah, in order yeah. to do that. Yeah. And right now, I mean... We're, what are you saying, Kevin? But, it's going to be Billy Kemp. It's going to be Marcus Washington. And then who's who's the deep threat here? And, they don't have you know, one. A lot of people... Tommy Hill. <laughs> A lot of people last week, the the Casey Thompson versus Jeff Sims mm-hmm. conversation, you know, really got hot. But I, that's kind of a, a wasteful argument anyway, because that, that can't happen. Right. Um, I think the bigger thing that people should talk about is not having Trey Palmer. Like, as much as you want to fixate on Casey Thompson, not having Trey Palmer, I think, changes this offense more than anything because they've lost the, if in doubt, throw it deep. 
and Trey would be open. So there, there's a lot of pressure on this receivers group, not only the guys on the field, but also the position coach who's cutting his teeth and trying to find his voice and prove his worth. And I heard you guys talk, like, he's younger than Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> Yep. Do you remember Rocky Lombardi from oh, the Michigan State game? Absolutely. Yeah. That game, I, I mean, that was one of, Honestly, the, that was one of the more fun wins that we've had in the last Your best video <laughs> you've ever gotten in that game. Oh, snow video is like the best. Yeah. You know, forget that it's cold. You can't feel your toes and fingers. But if you have video, like last year at Michigan, uh, uh, the fans' perspective is probably that game sucked. Yeah. Uh, that game was awesome. Like our pregame video of uh, Jarrett Sinek warming up in the big house with snow in the background, it was fantastic. <laughs> so that, see, not, not all is lost ever. Sometimes you also get great video. Okay, question to throw out to the table then. On this offense, from what you've seen, if you could pick a guy or maybe guys, we, we talked a lot about the quarterback run, we've talked ad nauseum, who needs to be more involved in this offense to really get more out of, of what's going on? Uh, Kevin, I'll start with you. Who do, who do you think that m- maybe could be, again, it's not going to be a completely dynamic offense replete with playmakers, but there, you know, there have only been bits and pieces of anybody that's been used extensively. Who Marcus, do you think that is? Uh, Marcus Washington. Washington. You know, where has he been? I mean, he's been targeted only a handful of times. He is one of your most experienced receivers uh, within the system. Billy Kemp is the most experienced receiver. Uh, and we've seen Marcus Washington do some nice things over his career. And, uh, you know, he showed, showed signs of being a, a lead wideout last year. Um, but that just doesn't, it hasn't happened to this point. So that's the guy I would go with right now because I think if you start to feed him the rock, he might be a momentum player. When 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 he gets going, his confidence will grow, and then if his confidence grows and he can make some plays, it probably opens up the playbook a little bit. Yeah. What do you guys think? I uh, I would like to see more tight end usage out of Nebraska. I mean, Marcus Satterfield really got a lot out of tight ends for South Carolina last year. You know, and it, it's at odds with what Matt Rule has done throughout his career. Tight ends have not been a big part of his offense, so it it's one of those things where if Marcus Satterfield's calling it, you know that you don't have you don't have enough wide receivers, so you gotta find other areas in your passing game. And and I like Nate Porkerger. I like Thomas Fedoni. I mean, those guys can win in matchups against safeties and linebackers, and especially in a week like this where you're probably not getting the most athletic guys in the way that you were with Colorado's secondary and Minnesota's secondary is one of the best in the country. So in some ways, the passing game should get better uh, from from what Nebraska has seen because this quality of opponent has gone down in the secondary. I mean, you had you had a lot of veterans the first two weeks. To me, I, this is where, you know, we talked about setting up the play action. This is where I would like to see some of that. You know, hit the tight end on the seam on an RPO. Freeze that safety. Because here's the thing. Nate Borkercher. Borkercher. Jeez. Now you just, <laughs> Sorry, oh, Gus Johnson. Geez. I'm trying not to say Bo Richter because of everything <laughs> we have talked about earlier today. Different guy. Uh, <laughs> very different guy. I mean, he can he can run a little bit, too. Like, they're not slow. And so I, I think that you can expand the field. We talk about deep shots. I mean, if you hit a 25-yard seam pass, it's not the same as a 40-yard bomb, but it it certainly helps move the field in a chunk. And if you get kind of a one-on-one there and you break a tackle, you can run for a while. Mm. I, I agree. Pass catchers, something has to happen on, on with, with what, you, what you're doing there through the air. But I'll go a different way. 
And it might sound counterintuitive compared to what was said in the fall camp and then what happened at Minnesota. I think Anthony Grant has to be more involved with the offense. Mm-hmm. And not just with him getting carries, but I think he needs to be on the field to block a little bit as well. Let him lead block a little bit as he's out there. I think that gives you just another hammer that you're able to mix in with Gabe Irvin. I I love that you got double-digit touches for Gabe Irvin, but I think sprinkle three or four of those to Anthony Grant. Let him lead block a few times as well. He's a weapon that's in that, uh, that running back room that yes, we heard what happened in fall camp, and then ultimately there was the the bad timing on the fumble at Minnesota. But I think that's someone that, if more involved, can help out that run game. Uh, we're going to cover everything here because I'd like to just figure out a, a role for Ramir Johnson more. Consistently. I was just going to mention his like, name I too. Just, and I don't know what it is. Like, what do you guys think that even is for him? Is it? I mean, maybe it's just being the running back. I, I, I would like to, you know. If you have issues moving the ball downfield, maybe just find some screen plays, some dump off passes, a shovel pitch, something to just put the ball in his hands and let him go to work. I mean, I, some of it is just get the ball to some of these guys and let them do what they can do. I mean, what I liked about the Colorado game as it started is they immediately made a point to get Billy Kemp the ball. And what did he do? He, he made a couple good plays. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like he, he needs to have the ball more. Guys There's that, no doubt. You know, whether it's Anthony Grant, the tight ends, Marcus Washington, like find some simple plays. And it doesn't have to be 10 of them, but find two or three simple plays for all of these different guys and try to target that. Yeah. I mean, make it easier for what, again, I assume to be Heinrich Harburg tomorrow. Yeah. I think we get the sense of what kind of play color you were on, uh, you know, Madden, right? <laughs> or college football 2007. How do, how do you think I play video? Yeah, I was going to like, say. Like, your ISO right, ISO left, and then pop the play action, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yes, love it. 100%. You're running back, rush for 2,400 yards every season. Everyone with the NCAA game, shotgun wide, you're running around scrambling with your quarterback, doing all of that. I am taking, I took Wisconsin, I took Penn State. Uh-huh. I'm just going like right up oh, the that's teams terrible. that have decent tight ends, one fast wide receiver, and then I would hit that play action play and then try to just go user catch with the receiver yes. down the oh field. My you and me, my 100%. man. 100%. No, okay. they, they I would run w- the clock down. People hate it. You guys playing. are the worst. You sound, I hate hearing about yeah, it. No. That sounds. I won a lot of games this week. That is to our delight, hearing you say you hated it. You make people (laughs) quit. Yes. You make them quit. No, Mike, there is one way to play NCAA, like, 08, and that's you grab Nebraska, you go into goal line formation and triple option, go three yards, fall down, run the clock. They get one possession a half. Oh my God! See, yeah, that I, sounds annoying. I thought a man yeah. before. I won a lot of games in college, being I, very I annoying. Twenty-one teams. I mean, that's that's what we did. Like you would, if you had, you were down by twenty-one. You got a possession. and You didn't score. You couldn't get under twenty-one. The game was over. <laughs> <laughs> and so you just frustrate the hell out of people in the first half, and then your defense is picking everything up. It's great. That's funny. It's funny because I thought of video games when Kevin said bailing out with the long ball because that was my always my video game strategy yeah. too is uh, just get that ball up and completely bomb it. As well, and <laughs> something that the offense doesn't doesn't really have here uh, at this point. Um, oh, I, I barely left any time for the defense, and that's kind of how it is right now. Because Kevin, isn't it too bad? Like this defense is genuinely fun to watch, and they weren't perfect against Colorado. They wore down at this point, but between shuffling twenty two players in, between getting gaudy sack numbers, between I think, and I'm curious what you think, tackling and getting to the ball in ways we haven't seen them do in years. They're fun, and it's kind of getting buried. You nailed it. They tackle well, and especially on the back end. Malcolm Hartzog, I think, is having a really good year, 
I think that Quentin Newsom's having a good year, and I love watching Isaac Gifford play on the back end. You know, a kid from Lincoln Southeast, he's sticking his nose in there with a Heisman candidate in Travis Hunter, and uh, Isaac leads the team in tackles right now. Yeah. I think the guys in the secondary uh, are leaps and bounds better than what they were a year ago, simply from the aspect of covering in space, and when they're one-on-one, they make the stop. Boy, they've come a long ways from what Miles Farmer said was, we just thud all the time at practice. Now they are bringing guys to the ground when you they're one-on-one. Tell. Yep, uh, you can t- It's mm-hmm. very visually different. I can't imagine on the field what it looks like uh, completely different than it has in the past. All right, got to take a break, and it's time for the most competitive segment at all of radio, or TV for that matter. It is The Picks. Caleb's going to get us up to date on the standings. Six degrees. Slight chance for rain this evening with mostly cloudy skies. 55 the overnight low. 81 on Saturday. From the 1011 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Brad Anderson. Bragging rights mean everything to these guys. So, let the trash talk begin. It's time to call your shot in the Friday Husker Tailgate Pickskin Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Exchange Bank. On 1499.3 KLIN. And isn't this always how it goes? You invite a new guy into the competition, (laughs) and what do you know? He goes crazy in week two. Kevin Suits gets three of the four head-to-heads, gets the cover from Arizona against Mississippi State for a point, and then gets the closest score in Nebraska-Colorado. That's six points. Puts him in first place. With well, Ari- Arizona almost went outright, too. I know. You almost got an extra one. That was the Thank late goodness. game, and it went overtime. to overtime. Oh, yeah. man. I felt good about that one. I was thinking about you during it. And uh, it helped he was the only one who took Colorado last uh, week. And then nobody else did anything. Caleb got two head-to-head games. He got Kansas and Iowa. Uh, Mike got just Kansas. Yeah, Tulane, 17-17, and then completely falls apart. <laughs> I did this. I, this has got to be hard. I went 0-4 on the head-to-head games. I missed all four of them. If it weren't for App State covering against North Carolina, I would have had a zilch for the week. Which they almost <laughs> won that, didn't they? Yeah, I could have got two, just yeah. like Kevin. Very that was similar. what? It went overtime? Yep. Uh, so Kevin's in first with nine. Caleb's at eight. Mike's at six. I am at five. And so Kevin gets to start first with picks today. Let's go head-to-head. Old-timey Big Eight. Kevin, how can you not get excited for Kansas State at Missouri. Ah, oh, Missouri. Far outfield. Where you got, Are we really excited about you that? you got to cross a highway to get to that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take Kansas State. What is it, three and a half right now? Yeah, that Four, one. Maybe. These are head-to-head, so these don't matter. Only on the upset. It matters. So well, you're I, good. These I, got, are I got Kansas State. You got K-State on that one? Okay. Uh, Caleb, who yeah, do you Yeah, give me the Wildcats as well. Caleb's taking K-State. Mike? Emaw. There it is. <laughs> oh, another Kansas State. I thought, oh, Emaw. I can't stand that. I have Kansas State too. This is Aww, being last Jack. is no fun. There's, there's no spotlight. You're the afterthought. This segment just exists for you to whine and cry. Kayla, uh, let's see. Uh, Minnesota and North Carolina. These two teams have never played before. I saw, which is kind of oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, who you got, Kevin? North Carolina. Ooh. Tar Heels as well. Going the other way. I like Minnesota. Their veteran secondary picks off uh, Drake May and. You know, we'll see. Uh, that, I think I think the Gophers get the win. Make Nebraska fans feel nice, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I got North Carolina, too, in that one. Uh, LSU at Mississippi State. Uh, Kevin picked against Mississippi State on his upset last week. You can do it again this week. I got LSU. Still not a believer in the dogs. All right. Uh, there you go, Caleb. Go Tigers. <laughs> He's not there anymore, but okay. Nope, that's how you have to do it forever. <laughs> Perpetuity. Uh, I'm going LSU as well. Uh, I can't pick games that divide people anymore. I got L- I got LSU in that one, too. Uh, the final of the head-to-head games, Tennessee at Florida. Who you got, Kevin? Rocky Top. 
Rocky Top, no. Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh, my gosh. This is, this, this is bad radio. <laughs> I also have Tennessee. All right, let's get to the upsets. This right, will be so more interesting. In the four games, there was one differing pick, and it was me taking Minnesota. So that's the only thing that matters this week, really. All right. It's kind of boring. <laughs> who you got Who you got for your upsets? I know. I agree. Who you got for your upsets? Uh, Kevin, you are first. Now I'm going to throw out a team that's going to make some people shiver. I got Georgia Southern over Wisconsin. Oh. Spread is 20. Oh. I like it. They're, oh boy. I don't think Wisconsin is as good as people think they are. I agree. 100%. I agree. All right, Caleb, who you well, got? You were, you were speaking directly to Jack Mitchell's heart when you said that <laughs> sentence. I'm going to go Virginia plus 14 at Maryland. Ooh, okay. That's uh, Is that a Friday, is that a Friday night That's game? That's tonight. That's tonight. All right. We'll be watching that one for you. Uh, I don't agree, but okay. Uh, Mike... <laughs> We uh, we saw Texas go and get a great win oh, okay. against Alabama last uh, week, and now they're coming home as 30, 30 point favorites against a team that beat Texas Tech in the first week of the season. Give me Wyoming to cover thirty points as a little <laughs> bit of a letdown happens from Texas. Thirty. Yeah, thirty. That's uh, that, I don't mind that one. Uh, Rut- Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> He's judging. All he doesn't all. mind it. I figured. Wow. I figured the last place guy could at least critique all the picks. Uh, Rutgers is a seven point uh, favorite at home against Virginia Tech. That just sounds weird to me. I get it. I know they're two and zero. Oh. I know Virginia Tech isn't the old Virginia Tech. Whatever. That's not going to be a seven point win. I'll take Virginia Tech maybe to get that one outright. I like it. Thanks. You're a jerk. <laughs> Kevin, what's your uh, what's your pick for the uh, Husker Northern Illinois game? I got the first win of the Matt Rule era. I'm Woo. taking Nebraska 24, Northern Illinois 16. Ooh, it's a little nerve wracking, Caleb. I'm going to go Nebraska 24, Northern Illinois 6. I love this. <laughs> I love this so much. You don't even prepare for these sort of moments. Mike. I have Nebraska 24. And I have no idea how or why Northern Illinois 11. I split the difference. <laughs> this is ridiculous because I've got Nebraska 23, Northern Illinois 6. Oh, jeez. A <laughs> lot of variety of opinions on this show. It's way wow. too homogenous. Thanks for coming in, Kevin. We'll see you next week. See all of you next week. Have a great weekend on KLIN. Nebraska football.